This podcast is brought to you by Harry's. Please visit harrys.com and use the promo code GOT to get $5 off your starter kit. Welcome to the Game of Thrones podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Game of Thrones on HBO. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 5, Episode 8, entitled Hard Home. Uh, we kind of talked uh, about the battle, mostly, I think, um, right. during the instant cast. Completely forgot to talk about Arya. We did. We totally spaced it. Uh, so which, which, so having seen it twice, what do you think about it now? I think it's it's it holds up. It's, okay. um, it reminds me a lot of the Battle of the Blackwater or Blackwater that way. And that, you hmm. know, I, that felt like watching a really good action movie. Oh, now, yeah. This wasn't a wall. You know, it wasn't like the whole thing was about this. Yeah. But I thought it was appropriate. I don't know that you could have staged the whole thing the last an episode. But they packed as much action into 20 or 30 minutes as Blackwater did in an hour. Yeah. So, felt like a, a Transformers movie. <laughs> you know where the That's last half a... is just all action okay i was gonna say you gotta be careful <laughs> sure sure making yeah, I, that kind of comparison i'll qualify that it was much better than a transformers movie uh i i never wanted out of the action yeah uh but there was some other stuff a, a lot of other stuff happening at the beginning of this episode we jumped around to sure was. several different plots here um i don't i don't know what else you want to say before we get into the recap but uh just reminding to everybody that uh miguel sapochnik was the director. He directed last episode, too. And I got to say, I didn't see anything in his resume that really jumped out that says, this guy is going to be just a badass director of intense, wide-scale... Uh-huh. Is this the biggest... Like, not, I don't know. Like, non-Band of Brothers war scene <laughs> that we've seen on television? Man, it might be. I mean, I can think of some really crazy shit that went on during the Dominion War of Star Trek. Oh, that yeah, was, that's true. That was but like, space battles seem inherently easier. Yeah, honestly. like you throw seventy starships on the screen, and it seems like it's epic. But we're talking yeah. like you know thousands and thousands of digital creations and set composites, interacting and live with actors, humans too. That's the thing. Yeah, like I was really the the thing that really got me on the second watch was when John just cleaved that one. Uh-huh. Uh, white into yeah, and it just looked really convincing. Yeah, uh, I I thought it was just amazing, and and the only thing he he did direct Repo Man, okay. which was the Jude Law kind of sci fi thriller from twenty twenty ten, but nothing like on this scale. But I don't know uh, the 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 maybe his storyboard uh, background with Train Spotting helped him out, and he's just able to <laughs> get all this out on the paper. Uh-huh. It's written by the Double Ds, David Benioff and Daniel Weiss. Okay. Uh, it's not surprising. Do you think... I'm, I've been thinking about these last three episodes and how they've been kind of restless feeling. And and I want to set aside people's problems with like particular things like Sansa and, and maybe Danny's decisions and all that. I just think from a pacing standpoint, do you think... This episode would have had this big of impact if we had just come off of climax after climax after climax, or if there had been, if we got to this like in episode six. Interesting. You're saying we needed a lull in the action from season four till now. I've been in thinking order for this about really it because the other show I'm watching right now is Penny Dreadful, and it seems to do a, a pattern of like you know hammer episode and then two to three 
very slow moving, almost like what the fuck is even happening. And it does build a tension and a restlessness. And sometimes that's you're, you're, you're cognizant of it and it works. Sometimes you're cognizant of it and it doesn't work. You know, it's like it's more impatient. Yeah. But I, I, I would say a couple of episodes ago, this wasn't working for me. Yeah. Like I, I was starting to get a little too restless. Does this make up for the previous three? Uh, no, not completely. Okay. Do I, you think? Th- I, and I'm not saying the last few were bad. I'm no, saying no, right. I just wanted something else to happen. Do you think that this is the best episode of this show of this series? No. I, I mean, I'm not going to say season, but series. No. What's what's better? I don't think so. Um, I personally like Blackwater better because really it had more emotion in it for me. Like Jon Snow uh, was, I, I don't know. This felt scary, but it didn't feel like the stakes were all that high. Whereas like Tyrion fighting off, uh, like making a stand at King's Landing mm-hmm. felt like an epic thing. Like if he doesn't, if he doesn't pull this off, everyone in the city is dead. Whereas we know like, yeah, a lot of people died at this battle, mm-hmm. certainly, and probably more than died at Blackwater, but a right. lot of people got away, and there wasn't this sense of urgency like, this is it, we have nowhere to run. Did you uh, think that they Jon could run Snow to the sea. could die? Uh, yeah. I yeah. thought Jon Snow could die. Sure, and when he gets uh, his ass handed to him by the White Walker at uh-huh. first, I was, th- I was a little scared, because he's spitting up blood, he's, yeah. uh, he's in bad shape there for sure. a second. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about before we get into the episode proper is the public service announcement. This is something we do every fucking season. Okay. The concept of whites, W-I-G-H-T versus white walkers. All right. And I think we even got a little confused in a discussion at the end, not intentionally so, but the whites are the skeletons or undead creatures with blue eyes. Yeah. Um, that are controlled in some fashion by the White Walkers, which are the gaunt, kind of desiccated-looking dudes with flowing white hair, or they got an ice crown, and they got the black armor and the ice spheres. Well, I mean, we saw, I believe, 13 of them in the... the, Oh, Oh, when they froze the baby? When they froze the baby. Yeah. And we've seen several more get dispatched over the years, and and so I I don't know. No one knows how much there are. Like... Very little of what happened in this episode happens in the te- in the books. Okay, I was going to ask about the lore of these guys. Like, so is there like are these four guys up on this cliff top significant? Are they do they have a lore? Like, are they former kings who were stricken down by the the wheel know. or something? What uh, what? So it, it's, <laughs> I'm, something I'm just it's curious. Something I'm struggling with is when to start putting some of this lore into, uh, or not even lore like speculation because you know. You are essentially caught up. Like, there's, with very few exceptions, we are, like, 97% caught up to where we are at in the books. Okay. And there is a lot of speculation in the book universe that just centers on assimilating stuff we already know and then extrapolating on it and making theories to see what happens. I mean, Mm -hmm. so at what point does that start to be fair game for television show watchers? I know. Uh probably about now i'd guess but if the show hasn't if, like you know if they mention like legends and and what not in the books that are not mentioned in a television show is that a book spoiler or is that just like i mean that's the thing like n- i watch the uh, the thing that says hey here's how we made this episode and a little bit about it and they were talking about this this white walker attack and apparently hardholm is like casually mentioned and just like 
this battle never happens with Jon Snow in it. No, yeah, Jon's on uh, There's a battle that's talked about, but you never see it in the books. Like, yeah. it's kind of, you get you get like a very disjointed play-by-play from like ravens that Jon's getting at the wall of, okay. of, of, of what's going on and stuff like that. And you can, you know, you can intimate a lot of what happened in this episode, but, mm-hmm. you know, the, for example, the fact that Valerian Steel can stop a White Walker yeah is not book knowledge really that's been speculated because it makes sense you got obsidian dragon glass and its connection to like you know things that are deep of the earth and molten and then this mystery this valerian steel it's sometimes called dragon steel um Mm -hmm. and no one knows how to make it but it came from valeria land of the dragons maybe it was forged by dragon fire maybe it's forged in the crack of doom or (laughs) Whatever, but yeah, that was something that's just speculation, and now it's been confirmed. So it's like you know, the television show is already spoiling the books. There you go. So, so I'm I, fine with. I it. think yeah, I think speculation is almost just completely unleashed here. Right now, the thing that kind of blurs the whole whites because you can't say that the whites in this universe are just mindless zombies because even in the show they've mentioned that there are echoes, like they have some access to their memories. For example, the Black Brothers, they brought back and reanimated, knew where the Lord Commander was and went right to his quarters. Uh-huh. So to what extent that is something that they're acting on of their own free will or to what extent that they get assimilated to a hive mind, yeah. like a Borg, sure. no one knows. But there is some uh, – it, it's kind of dangerous because as, it's not just of manpower. They also get some kind of military intelligence from the people they assimilate. Hmm. Interesting. Not even mildly, wildly, wildly interesting. Yeah, that's pretty interesting, considering they got a lot of people who John talked to about his plans this episode. Maybe I can use that term for things that are uh, TV spoilers (laughs) for the books. They're wildly interesting. Okay, I like it. (laughs) All right, let's get to the recap. Let's do it. Uh Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Uh, Tyrion and Jorah are brought before Danny, And Tyrion tries to convince her to make him her advisor. And gives her a little bit of a, let's call it a demo of his capabilities here in judging Jorah, which causes her to banish him instead of killing him. So kind of a good thing for Jorah. Rebanished. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's banishment number two. Three strikes and you're out. He's going to try to go back in uh, later on, but we'll get there. I like how Tyrion started to actually physically move away from Jorah and towards Danny. Yeah. Like, just going to start, you know, separating myself. And also, Jorah did not say one word after he was commanded not to speak in his own defense. Yeah, I thought that was interesting that, you know, he I don't know if that's a desperate show of loyalty or um, it seems to be the Jorah away. Like when the slavers pick them up, mm-hmm. Tyrion's just doing all the talking and like Jorah's I think he just wanted like, to say okay, stuff, but he see where wanted this goes. to. I don't know. He just seems very desperate to get back in her good graces. And he's smart enough to know that, you know, her banging the gavel and be like, silence, silence, contempt of court was not going to get him anywhere. Yeah. Uh, I, I especially appreciate the line uh, where he says, ruler who kills those who are devoted to her is not a uh, ruler who inspires devotion. You're going to need devotion mm-hmm. going forward. I think that's, you know, I I speculated that Tyrion was going to come to Danny and try and be an advisor. 
That's exactly what happened here. And I think she's going to do well to have him in her, sure. her council. Some questions about Jorah here. Does it look like the grayscale is getting worse to you? I couldn't really tell. Not really. Maybe it's spreading like a tiny bit. Yeah. I When they showed that, it's like it's roughly the same size and shape. It's in roughly the same area. It's not like if I was wanting to show progression, it would be like wrist to elbow. Yeah. So do you... Are they are they hinting that this might be a Shireen situation? Because everybody thinks that he's on a, a ticking clock. Yeah. But could this be one of the rare cases that stabilize? It could be. It and could is be. that why Shireen is in the story? To kind of give us a... Uh, an a anchor for Jorah, of, yeah. Yeah, like, like, hey, this can't happen. Like, it's, yeah. it's a roundabout way of showing that maybe we shouldn't be surprised if he dies, or he doesn't Yeah, die, and it's say. it's something where, you know, he may maybe he doesn't have to go on this long journey to try and find a cure and all this stuff that Stannis has already done right. for Grayscale. It can just be, he's kind of immune to it, you know? And also, you know, Stannis brought in, like, tons of people. It's yeah. it's just as likely that none of that was effective. Yep. I mean, that's ancient medicine in a nutshell. You mm-hmm. throw some <laughs> shit and honey on it. Put some leeches on them. And if your body can fight off the illness, then it's going to fight off. If not, then, hey, guess what? Honey and shit is like an amazing, amazing cold and flu remedy. Yeah. So yeah. I, I kind of think that, you know, it, it's not a lot of people fixated on the like, or maybe they'll bring a bunch of. I don't I don't know, man. The way ancient medicine works, it's it's just a lot of witchcraft and 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 uh, placebo yeah definitely i i think the interesting thing about it is what are jorah's motivations here i mean of course he loves danny but if he thinks that this grayscale is going to kill him what's the point you know also that's interesting he went from looking at his disfigured like arm and then he looked up and there's just this row of all those harpy faces that look like they had been disfigured huh. like the their faces okay. have been pulled off and i was trying to think that seems thematic of something but I'm not sure what. Uh, I don't know. I don't know either. All right. Anyway, let's go to Cersei. She's in the dungeon, and I don't know what you call these women. They're they're nuns in the Catholic they're Church. They're septas. What? You got septuns. Septas? Septas. Okay. Yes. Uh, a septa with water demands that she confess. I love the septa. Why? I don't. There's something about her big, giant, impassive face that's, like, <laughs> really intimidating. Okay. Like, if you wanted to design uh, a woman that can physically intimidate Cersei and not give a shit about her threats, you would you would create this woman and shove her in a habit. I mean, I feel like this is the quintessential uh, Catholic school teacher with the ruler who's slapping people on the but wrist. But she's not and... old. and No, but, you know, that, that outfit makes you look old. I guess. Regardless of how young you are. <laughs> when you put that it, on, you age 40 years. I don't know. It's almost like she wears, like, a suit of armor. It's, 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 it's yeah. impressive as, like, Brienne in her armor. In, in some like huh, physically okay. imposing way, and I she could just be she also could be really tall. I didn't look up the actress to see that, but there was something yeah. about her that I found. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where it's like it's the battle of the assholes. I really hate Cersei. I really hate religious fanatics. Yeah. You know, <laughs> who do you want to see win? Best in this case situation? scenario, they all lose yeah. somehow. They find a way to do that, but I did like her individually. Yeah. And I think she's interesting. Cersei didn't like her much. No. She she threatens her with death, and then she leaves without giving her any water. Uh, and then we head over to Arya, who we didn't talk about in the instant cast. It's a hell of an episode when Arya is the most forgettable part. This, yeah, and there's some real development in her yeah, story, too. No. And it's like, I, for one, I don't fucking understand what this 
insurance salesman is? Okay, I got it. I actually watched the scene a bunch of times. How many times did you rewind to figure this thing out? I feel like this is a case of bad writing. They don't they don't do enough to make a trail to where you need to go to understand who this guy is, why he's a problem, and why they I, would want to kill him. I think it's one of those cases where the flowery Jake and or Jack and kind of Yoda speak let it, him down. Like, yeah, he's yeah. way too up his own <laughs> ass of hyperbole. Uh-huh. And a it man all has makes... a potion for a girl. <laughs> yes, yes, it should should maybe do a thing. I it's fucking a girl puts the potion in the basket. <laughs> Or the girl gets the hose. Yes, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm okay, with you, so I what? Think I understand. So what is actually? Can you explain this scene to me? Okay, so this guy is he's just he's an insurance agent, and he insures. Okay, captains, I got that part. <laughs> and apparently, he also fucks over like occasionally when the uh, claimant comes back and the captain is dead, uh, and the claimant is essentially weak and powerless. He welches on the deal. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, so. The guy who comes to him and gets carted now, now, off and says, different. what about my family? Okay. What about my kids? This is sli- that's, that's the thing that I don't... He tries to give him money. Like, all of this is very confusing. Right, that's right, that's right. not a typical insurance transaction at all. But he assesses risk. And, and the, the, the key thing here, which I can't believe... Th- this is the thing that I th- thought was kind of bullshit. The guy's looking over his documents. He's like, I've been on eight voyages. Yeah, come I've returned without a scratch on me. But if you look, he's plotted a course on these maps through the the smoking seas, through the devastation of um, Valeria. Valeria. Oh, and okay. I think you're supposed to understand. But the, the, to to expect the vast majority of show watchers, I think, are going to watch that scene and think this is some kind of scam. When I think it's yeah. evidence of him just weighing the risk and be like. No, no. Okay. It's like you want to... Op- but now why do they want to kill him? Why do the faceless men want to kill him? For a totally unrelated reason that he's actually an asshole that- Oh my God. See, that's super confusing. I agree. I agree. To show me something and then say this is unrelated to what we're about to do- I agree. Is foolish, I think. Because I think you're trying to draw the connection and I don't know why they showed it that way. And if they if they meant... Because again, the only reason... If he's just a guy saying this is too risky for me, I'm not taking your money. That's not immoral. That's not unethical. Sure. That's what an insurance I, thing is all about. Exactly. So why kill him? But but apparently there's another reason. Like yes. he, he eats too many oysters or something. I don't know. No, I mean the reason is that he <laughs> has screwed over widows and orphans when he feels like he can get away with it. See, I thought that that's what he was doing to this guy, which... but it doesn't make sense because you have to get the money before you can screw. Exactly. So I was super confused. Okay, now, the that other makes thing way is, more sense. I, I almost wonder if we're going to find that in another episode. Maybe the next episode, as the girl continues to see that what he's really doing is trying to extort even more money from him. Like, oh, okay. I'm, you know, it's like, yeah, okay, whatever. I think you could pay. So he's going to get more money up front and screw him over even harder because this guy is so, so desperate. And yeah. He's doing something he knows is dangerous. So, but then again, that's still kind of poor writing to confuse someone in an episode and then clear it up later. Yeah, I agree. But yeah. Uh, did not like that scene whatsoever, except for uh, I liked seeing Arya on the job. You know, that was pretty cool. Although I got to say, <laughs> you got a hall full of faces. Arya doesn't get one. They are face hogs. <laughs> they really are, man. They're well, you like, know, you got to you got to get your learner's permit. You got to earn the face. You got to, you know, if like what if you put you in a, if, if uh, you put you in a fancy face and you can't pull off the acting, 
then Good you're point. wasting a face. So I was yeah. like, can you convincingly play <laughs> essentially, you know, a different version of yourself? And if you can't. Yeah. You, you don't want to waste a face. I got you. What do you think is going on with the little blonde wafy girl? That's always naysaying Arya. Like, what is it? Uh, what does she give a shit? Like, I, I think Jacken's got the right view of it. Like, if she fails, she'll die. Maybe that guy die will too. We worship death. What is your problem? Yeah, I don't know. I thought there was some. She doesn't care kinda... if she dies. This thin man we decide needs to die for whatever reason. If they both die, then all well and good. It feels like maybe jealousy. Like you I don't know that Arya's this girl like, has li- ever been through the door hmm. to see the Hall of Faces. But she's way better than Arya in a lot of extent. She is, yeah. And she knows but, a lot more. So it's like, why did she stall out in her training? I don't know. Yeah, but that's that's the idea I get that she's okay. jealous and and wants to know more about why Arya succeeded and why she's being given the position instead of her. Yeah, I wasn't. That's that's one thing that I think we're gonna have to wait and see. Yeah. Um, the other thing I noticed in the scene is as Arya walks away with this potion to kill this insurance salesman. Yeah. She's smiling. Sure. That can't be a good sign, right? I mean, she wants to kill. She wants to go out there and have a little blood on her hands. Yeah. Is that I don't know. Don't don't forget that Needle is still out there, right? Like sure. what what's she going to do with Needle? Sure. She's I, pretty invested in this faceless man thing now. Yeah. I don't I uh, mean hmm. This is this is uh there's still a lot of this that's still left to go in the book, so I'm I'm I'm, okay. I'm pulling you back a bit anything. on this. But um no, uh I think you're supposed to be wondering about that. And and to me, I think her bearing art uh, needle is just her not being able to fully get rid of Arya. And what does that what does that imply for her training as a faceless man? Yeah. And that smile to me says she's more about her list than she is the faceless men. But this has nothing. The, the, the chilling thing is this has nothing to do with her list. I know. So this but is it, just, it gives her some practice with killing. Right. right. Like, right. that's the scary thing. No, I mean, we, yeah, we, we talked about this last season. It's kind of fucked up. As much as we think it's cool and we are rooting for her to become this killer, it's fucked up that this little girl we saw in season one is now delighted about the prospect of killing someone. Yeah. That she doesn't even know. That's the thing. Is she also ex- accepts uh, on blind faith that what she's being told is true mm-hmm. when she herself has taken place in a, 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 a part of a deception to kill someone before. Like, are we supposed to draw parallels between her lie that she told the little girl mm. and what Jacken is telling her? Is she being manipulated? Could be. Could be. That's interesting. Kyburn uh, comes to see Cersei in the dungeons. And he tells her there's no chance she's going to win this trial. Tommen's despondent. He's not seeing anybody. Uh, he then urges her to confess. And she says, of course, that she won't. Yeah. Not especially not to that man, yeah. you know, the high sparrow who is a, a barefooted commoner, in sure. her opinion. Uh, no word from Jamie. That was kind nope. of significant. And also, uh, Maester Pacel, Pacel rather, has uh, done a hostile takeover of the small council. But but Kevin Lannister has been called in, right, to be the, the, the hand, hand of the king and to take over the small council? Well, I would think so. I think the hand is okay. like the senior official. He's like the you know chairman of the board. So, so Pycelle's got it for a little bit, but right, he's not running long. roughshod, and he's like, um, so this is a big gamble. If Cersei does get out of the dungeons, like she is threatening everyone, uh, Pycelle is going to be in big trouble. Yeah, you would think so. So what when Kyburn says the work is proceeding, or the work continues, 
The mountain. The mountain, baby. Okay. You're all in on the mountain theory. Oh, yeah. The mountain's going to rage through those dungeons and (laughs) snatch up up Cersei, yep, in, in his, uh, in his meaty paws. I have to admit, it would be super satisfying <laughs> to see him wading through it the faith militant. It totally would be. They're just yeah. banging on him with hammers, and he's just hulking out. Yeah, I'd love that. Because he was a monster in life. If he's some kind of Frankenstein, Kybernstein's monster, uh-huh. then watch the fuck out, man. <laughs> so we go back to Sansa, who is brought food by Reek, and she starts badgering him about killing her brothers, and Reek eventually confesses he didn't kill her brothers, he killed two rando farm boys instead right uh i okay and then and then he scuttles off i mean he's gonna have to come back for food later right <laughs> so she's just gonna continue this cycle of browbeating him until she gets what he what she wants apparently it seems uh, so it seems foolish of ramsey to give reek this job i think he's a little full of himself and it also seems foolish do you think that ramsey will take reek on with him on his raiding party because if he leaves Reek mm. there with Sansa unsupervised for potentially weeks on end, yeah, with possible the chance of him dying in combat. In fact, I man, it seems very probable that he'll die in combat. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. That I mean, it seems almost too obvious that Reek and Sansa are going to eventually reconcile and somehow. I think get you're the right. Brienne team. I mean, I think we've been thinking Stannis, but it's going to be Reek, Sansa, Brienne, and Podrick. Yeah, and Podrick. Okay, I like that the combo. Four, the four musketeers. Yeah, and they'll go, I hope, on the search for uh, Bran and Rickon. So I've thought about this a lot because we questioned about what this scene means other than that. Um, and I got you know got a lot of feedback on it and there's stuff on the forums. And I think that there's a couple of reasons that this is significant. Number one, um, it's a shot in arm for Sansa. You thought you were the last living Stark, real Stark, because John doesn't count. Surprise, you actually have you know, some brother is still alive. Yeah. So it's, it's just the first good news she's gotten in since she thought maybe she's going to get married to Loris, which wasn't the good news. She what thought about Arya? That she doesn't care about Arya. I think she thinks Arya's dead. Really? I mean, I mean Brienne, why would told you think... her? Brienne oh, told Littlefinger right. and her in that, in that's that right. pub that she's alive. That's right. Okay. So this is yet another bolstering okay. for so Sansa, another right? shot in the arm for yeah. her. Also, she needs it. <laughs> she really needs it at this point. Uh, also, like we we alluded to in the instant cast, it's a secession issue. Like, um, you know, if Bran, as long as Bran or Rickon are still alive, then the Boltons can do whatever they want. They're not the rightful heirs of Winterfell. Hmm. Okay. So all they have to do is survive, grow into men, get an army, and the North will the North will remember and rally sure. around them. As we've seen that, it's pretty easy. Danny's done it. Sure, sure. So there is some potential, and maybe, you know, I I think Sansa's smart enough to realize how that stuff works. So maybe yeah. this recalibrates the game she's playing, mm-hmm. or at least makes it easier to bear what she's having to bear. That, like, if yeah, this is I now agree. a waiting game, like, I can see some lights at the end of the tunnel, and hopefully they're not a fucking George Martin Express train <laughs> coming at me. Yeah, that's a possibility. But also, it seems like her history has prepared her for this, right? Also, this is crucially something that Littlefinger cannot possibly know. That's true. So all of his plans... Literally no one knows this except for Reek and now Sansa, right? Re- uh, well, I think Ram- Ramsey and uh, Roos know it. 
So I guess it's oh, not okay. it's not in, okay. impossible for Littlefinger not to Pretty know. Pretty much impossible. But if Littlefinger fucking doesn't know that Ramsay is a sadistic asshole, then I'm going to say he doesn't know about Brandon Rickon. <laughs> okay. And it's fair. Anytime he's he's trying to climb the ladder of chaos, uh imprecise, incorrect information might be the thing to bring him down. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it could. Interesting. Uh well, the Roos and Ramsay are trying to bring down Stannis and they're talking about their strategy for that. Roos wants to make this a siege, which yeah. seems smart. You know, sure. if if he's got the castle and the food and the winter weather gear, why not? Yeah. But Ramsay, he likes to fight, and he decides I want to take it to take it to Stannis with twenty good men. Uh, what do you, what do you think? What's going on here? I don't know. I mean, Ramsay is very tricksy. He is. In, in the Smeagol Gollum sense of the word. I, I feel like that he could pose as a northern lord as he's, you know, posed as a, uh, a ironborn to, to trick Theon. You know, imagine, so he rides in with his 20 men wearing Stark armor because I'm sure they got a shit ton of it. Okay. And yeah. he says, the North remembers and I know that Brandon Rickon are still alive and also Sansa is being held hostage in Winterfell. Mm-hmm. Stannis probably is going to... I mean, that's that's a lot of good faith evidence that you can trust this person. I think so. Now, how you parlay that into killing 6,000 men is another yeah. question. That's but, a tricky thing. Like, what can 20 men do that one man, one man couldn't do? That That's where I, I wonder, like, specifically about that number 20. Like, if he was to say, I need... 500 good men I don't know, uh, maybe tw- you get away 20 with that. guys with torches how many tents can they set on fire um and if you burn like it could be as simple as like i'm going to kill as many as i can and burn all their shelters and it's the fucking middle of winter and they're gonna die that'll kill the rest yeah it could be something like that but it's not going to be straightforward like ninja gaiden shit like there's it's not going to be 20 i can't on imagine six, like i said it's it's 300 men per dude yeah that's not that's not no. good odds <laughs> not no, at no, all no 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 yeah, I'm I'm curious. I don't have any good prediction on what's going to happen with with Ramsay there. But he did work the title of a book in. I think yes, it's the he first did. time since yeah. Game of Thrones, so there you go. <laughs> All right, we go back over to Tyrion and Danny who are drinking. Which I guess I should mention it's Feast for Crows. I don't know if like the majority of show watchers know oh. all the titles. Yeah, he when he said when he leaves a Feast for Crows, that's actually the name of, of the fourth book in the series. Yeah, I guess I hadn't considered that people might not know that. Yeah. Uh Tyrion and Danny are drinking wine together. They discuss their families. They discuss Varys, um, how to get Danny on the Iron Throne, all sorts of stuff. Uh, Tyrion suggests she doesn't have the support she needs to mm-hmm. take this the throne, and Danny says, "I don't care. I'm not here to uh, stop the wheel. I'm here to break the wheel." So Tyrion saying her decisions are wise and impressive. Is that the double D's trying to convince us? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, do you like Tyrion? Tyrion's a smart guy. He thinks this is all amazing. Okay. Yeah. I feel a little validated because I'm like, well, I think Danny's plan is this. And then Tyrion says, that's her plan and that's sure. smart. So I'm like, okay. And, and I'm not debating. I actually think I kind of am sympathetic. I think the way it was shown was curiously rushed considering, like, I'm thinking, well, maybe this is going to be, there's just too much stuff. But now that I've seen the other three episodes, I'm like, I think you could have spent another episode developing that and making it seem a bit mm-hmm. more natural. But whatever. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, so he also recontextualizes Varys for her. Yep. You know, do you do you buy that? That he, even though he was the man on the hunt for her, that he might have also been the man 
protecting her. That makes a lot of sense because, yes, you know, Viserys and her were, I mean, he was like an eight-year-old kid and she was a newborn when they first came to Essos. They single-handedly evaded all these paid assassins and soldiers. Yeah. Like, it does make good sense, but on the other hand... We really don't know if Varys is trustworthy and what his... We know what he says. We know what he's always said. It's for the realm. It's for the realm. It's for the realm. That's true. But, yeah. like And, and get this. Tyrion trusts Jaime at this point. That is a crucial point that I want to talk about, yeah. So, are we to assume that his mistaken trust there is also the same that he has in Varys? Could be. Because we know how Jaime feels about Tyrion. Yeah. Jamie wants to kill him. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, and I think that's got to be significant later. That if oh they yeah, ever meet, oh yeah, they're he's going to go in for the handshake and he's going to lose his hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How's it feel, fucker? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Also, I got like a Tom Hagen, Sonny Corleone vibe that like he's spending okay. all this time trying to talk her out of what she wants and away from the fire and blood. And I do you think there's going to be. You know, damn it! I wish I had a Sicilian for this kind of shit. The moment, like that, uh-huh. he's she's he's going to find himself out if he doesn't start telling her how to win. Or do you think he'll just like, I, huh. as a good advisor, I have to say that here's a possible. You know, I'm going to give you every possible avenue of 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 how you can be a ruler. And I, that doesn't seem like Tyrion's style, frankly. Okay, I think Tyrion presents the case that he believes is right. Okay, uh, whether that's right or not. The other the interesting thing about the scene is that she very conspicuously she cuts him off the wine. Yeah. And yeah. he kind of seems like, oh, okay. Like, for the first time, yeah, maybe I need to rethink the drinking myself to death strategy. <laughs> well, he he never had anything to live for before, right? Right. Like, yeah. The best he could do was be shit on by his father. Sure. Uh, and, and protected to the point where Cersei wasn't allowed to kill him, and that's about sure. it. Yeah. Now he's got a real shot at Making you know, helping difference. someone come to power who's going to make a difference. Yeah, yeah, this isn't being in charge of the sewers at Lannisport. This is like real power. Uh, yeah. I also, when he mentions his analysis of the great houses, do you know what house is conspicuously absent? Mm, no. Dorn. <laughs> wow, no respect for Dorn. Huh? Well, it's interesting because Dorn, uh, you know, Oberyn's sister was married to the prince who was going to be the next king. I mean, they're 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 probably the tightest of the Targaryen loyalists, and yet Tyrion doesn't mention that. Doesn't mention. Does not mention Dorne. He mentions he mentions the Starks. He mentions the Lannisters. He mentions the uh, Tyrells. No, he mentions the Tyrells, the Martells, or the Dorne. Uh, yeah, yeah. He doesn't mention them at all. Yeah, hmm. and I wonder okay. if that is um, an oversight on his part. Uh, something that the Double Ds are trying to tell us. Um, or something that they're huh. not trying to tell us. That's that's interesting. Okay, I don't know what it means, but I don't either. It's surprising. I don't either. Given that Marcella's down there, and I'm sure Tyrion knows that. Um, well, he put her down there. Fuck yeah, he knows. Yeah. So, so I, <laughs> I don't know why he doesn't mention them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd say that it's like sure, fire has to mean something, except for you know you get the insurance, the, the thin man, and like that just doesn't make sense. So it's like it could just be another you know adaptation problem. Yeah. Just an oversight. Yeah. Maybe. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Here are the highlights coming up this week on Bald Move. Our coverage of Hot D, Fire and Blood, and the 1980s Shogun miniseries continues. But then on Tuesday, for the first time in 35 years, we asked a question. Who framed Roger Rabbit? Hop aboard the train to Toontown as we revisit this incredible blending of live action and animation to see if it still holds up all this time later. Then on Wednesday, we get our first look at Blake Crouch's mind-bending sci-fi series, Dark Matter. The first two episodes drop simultaneously on Apple TV+, and we'll have a pair of podcasts quantumly linked ready for you to observe. You can find these and many other great podcasts by searching for Bald Move Pulp or Bald Move Prestige in your favorite podcast app. I don't know. Let's go over to uh, Jorah. He's, okay. He's back. <laughs> he's back again. He's not content to sit outside the city and die. He goes to the slaver who bought him, um, brought him to the pits, asks to fight again at the Great Games in exchange for his freedom. And, uh, well, in exchange for his freedom. In ex- he gives away his freedom in order for this guy to bring him to the Great Games. But, but what does that even mean? I know. I know. Because he just reclaimed his freedom say, moments ago. If I need ago. my freedom, I'll punch you again. You'll know <laughs> You'll know. I have my freedom back when your nose is bleeding and you're in the dirt. That's how you'll know. And pray that it's only that. And I'll take this coin again. Thank you very much. Uh, so th- he seems to agree. We don't get any more of that this episode. Do you think, but... oh, I just realized something. Huh? Do you think that flipping, because like, we saw him give Tyrion a coin, as, and we thought it was just kind of like a cruel joke, but maybe that's the cloak. Maybe that's the fig leaf covering the giant hairy dick of slavery is that no these aren't slaves we paid them <laughs> because jorah has Maybe. a coin he flips it back at yeah him. you're right you're right so i kind of so wonder if, saying i'm if, a slave again if this is like a this is this is straight up just a technicality so that all the papers are in yeah, order it could and, be. and that the men were all paid but it's all bullshit okay so we don't see the coin that he hands jorah but we do see the one he hands Tyrion, and then this one that Jorah flips back is yeah. his own. This is something I just made up on the spot, so I haven't really thought it through, but I, I you know... It seems to make sense. It would. And I kind of wish they'd made a bigger point of it, but... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because cool. it doesn't say that, you know... Uh, hey, he's they're free to go, but they're under contract. I paid him yeah. a whole quarter. You know? <laughs> the gruel yeah. and the hovel they live in costs money. It's, you know, when they're off contract... They could buy an oyster with that, probably. Sure, with vinegar, even. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's yeah. living. That's life. A lot of vinegar. A shitload of vinegar. She just dumps vinegar on those things. Mm. Uh, anyway, the nun's back in Wait, I want to talk about his motivations, though, real quick, because okay. I'm trying to consolidate, because we broke Bald Move Records for feedback, which is saying a lot. Uh-huh. So I'm having to consolidate a lot of thoughts and stuff um, to get him out there. Some people talked about... Um, that he could just be suicidal because he thinks he's going to die anyway because of grayscale. So might as well go out. He's a warrior. Might as well go out with your boots on. He wants to kill the queen. It could be. I seriously doubt it. It it could be, though, that he wants, I mean, if he's acting like out of revenge, um, 
maybe is trying to spread grayscale as far as he can. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rub every slave I that, can. That could be his weapon. Like, he goes into the great games and he just pulls up his sleeve. Aha! Yeah, Aha! Like, what are you going to do now, it's, fucker? It, it's Brock's hand grenade from <laughs> Anchorman. He just runs around with his forearm screaming. I, I don't remember that. Really? No. He's just running around with a, with, a, with a hand grenade, and he's just running through that <laughs> big fight going, ah! All right, so if you kill him, he lets go. And, there you go. Yeah. Uh, and that could also tie in with him looking at the harpies and seeing disfigured, and he's like, maybe it's like, I'll show these people. I'll show huh. them all. Okay. I mean, that's kind of a dark, dark uh, uh, motivation for him. And then there's also the thought I had in the instant cast, which I'm still liking, that maybe he wants to be a whistleblower. Like um, for slavery, yeah. You, through no fault of your own, were a part of a big atrocity level of evil, mm-hmm. and it's the exact same thing for me. And how can you judge me? And blah blah blah. Okay. So the, the other possibility: what if he wants to try to help Danny out by resolving this Sons of the Harpy situation? It seems like it's mostly resolved. At how this does point. he even fucking know about the Sons of the Harpy situation? He's been gone this whole time. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. Uh, no, I mean, I'm, I no, 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 you're, shut you you're down. Right. Okay. No, you're right. But if he does, right. so let's say, let's say he's reading, uh, Essos quarterly and <laughs> headlines are all about the sons of Harpy. Uh-huh. How are you, where are you going with that? How is he going to stop, help stop them? Because also he could go stopped. on a killing rampage. Yeah. That's the thing. They have stopped. It seems they've gone underground after she married his dar. Suspicious that. Yeah. Still suspicious. We'll see how it goes. Uh, so the nuns back in Cersei's cell, the, the septa. When Cersei threatens her again, she pours water onto the floor, and she leaves, and then Cersei sucks the water off the ground. I really got a kick out of seeing that. Sure. You know, that dungeon floor has not been clean in a while. No. And I mean, where else are you going to piss and shit but on the dungeon floor? There you go. Well, if it's good enough for Bear Grylls, it's good enough for Cersei. (laughs) Are you feeling sorry for Cersei yet? A little bit. Really? Just the tiniest bit, yeah. I'm not there at all. No, she deserves everything she's getting, but... Like, I eventually got there with even Theon. Yeah. Like, I was like, okay, okay. This, okay, <laughs> this is, this is, this is a bit much. Yeah. But Cersei, she hasn't really experienced a consequence yet. And they're all of her own divide. Like, the fact that... She, You're right about that. You know, she's done all this for to make her son secure and to protect him from the influence of the tyrant. Well, now he is starving himself in his room and she can do shit mm. and he's being puppeted by people she doesn't trust and she could get out. I mean, it seems like that she could get out of this to, by confessing or what do you mean? What do you what do you think they mean by confess? Like confess would get you a, a mouthful of water. What else would it get you? Like, Lancel did everything that she did, uh, and he is not put to death, and he didn't, I don't even think he but had the part of this cult. So, he's like, part do of the you cult, have to... But, but he wasn't, like, carve star in your head part of the cult. Like, I think there are... Lancel? Yeah. I mean, he is now, but I'm saying, when, okay. you know, when he <laughs> okay. first put on the robes, I'm, I, I, yeah, yeah. I think begging for mercy and, and forgiveness, like, what is the next step? And I'm wondering, I mean, it seems like hmm. the way they're putting on the show is she's not afraid of death. It's her pride keeping her in this prison. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, That's the other crucial thing where I'm not feeling too sorry for her because her pride yeah, yeah. taken down a notch. I, oh, three. I completely agree. Uh, and I like when I say a little bit, I really mean just the tiniest, tiniest hmm. bit. Uh, feeling sorry for her, but I, I I don't know. It's an interesting question of how much of her stuff will be forgiven. What will be the punishment if she does confess? Um, we've talked about the political ramifications of it. Like she's not going back to being queen if she confesses. The other thing about 
Theon was a little complicated is he conf- he admitted that he was wrong. Like even when he was being rescued by the fake Ramsay Northern mm-hmm. uh, real Ramsay fake North or fake Ironborn. He was saying like, I Rob was my brother and I fucked him. I was, I, I wish I could take it all back. So even before guys dick lopped off, he was already kind of contrite. Whereas Cersei is not contrite mm-hmm. whatsoever. Well, Jamie was her brother and she fucked him too. So <laughs> yeah, there's another case of Martin symmetry. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Beautiful poetry. I I, I don't know what goes on there, but we'll find out. Gilly's tending to Sam's wounds. Ollie comes in to check on Sam, bring him some food. Uh, he also has some questions about why John is saving the wildlings and what, why they're doing what they're doing. Sam tries to reason with him, says, Hey, everyone is doing this stuff for the greater good. Tough decisions need to be made, but it seems to be too personal for Ollie. And I don't know that he's totally sold on this yet. There's a couple of key quotes here. Uh, one is don't worry about John. He always comes back. Oh, don't ever say that. We saw how well that worked for the wilding mother this episode. Uh-huh. I'll be right there with you. <laughs> you know, um, so this is exhibit a of why I was kind of terrified that Jon Snow was going to make it out of this episode. Yeah. Um, the other thing that's interesting is sometimes a man has to make hard choices that might seem wrong to others, but you know, it is right in the long run. Mm. That is, n- I'm not sure if it's something you say to an impressionable teenager. <laughs> okay because who what, has bloodlust in his heart what yeah what might what kind of decision might ollie undertake thinking yeah. that every, well, everyone says it's wrong but i know it secretly it's in my heart right that's some scary shit taken hmm. together yeah now that's interesting uh i don't know I, I don't know what ollie's role in this is but clearly he has one he's been too central of a character not to uh also he is sir not appearing in the books so who the hell knows? Okay, cool. So we go up to Hardholm. Uh, John Snow's George Washington moment. He's crossing to the Shivering Potomac. Okay, yeah. Uh, he had he reaches Hardholm. Uh, Tormund tries to convince Lord of Bones to join him, but it doesn't go well, <laughs> and he has to kill him to get to get a town hall meeting started. Like he has to kill him to yep. let the the negotiations commence. I love it, and it was so gratuitous. It was like read as comedy to me. Okay, yeah. Like, you know, we just did, did the Shaun of the Dead review, and, yeah. like, when they're synchronized beating on the zombie, it's like it kind of was just, that flavor for me. Just needed a queen song. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, you would think that a guy with two skulls could take more of a beating, <laughs> is what I'm thinking. It's interesting that this is a guy running around with a giant skull for a helmet uh-huh. in a camp that features a real giant. Ooh, yeah. Like, the, the political... Uh, that that's incendiary to say the least. Mm-hmm. Plus, I I don't know. It seems like giant skulls would be bigger. Really? Yeah, I mean that giant was huge. It is, but their heads seem disproportionately small. I I don't know, and I think there's a good reason for that. Maybe it was a their small dudes giant. wearing stilts, but still, <laughs> still, it's like I don't think it's like uh, you know, okay necessarily means that their skulls are six times bigger just because they're six times taller. It seems like they kind of got a little bit of a, uh, I wouldn't say pinhead, but a little bit of a pinhead. (laughs) I would never call a giant a pinhead. Not to his face. No. Maybe not even behind his back. The fuck you looking at? Your pinhead? (laughs) Squash. (laughs) Uh, So during this town hall meeting, John tells the wildlings that they can beat the White Walkers. He shows them a a bag full of dragon glass that they're all ooing and aahing at. Sure. Uh, he also offers them land in the north if they help fight, and eventually he invokes their children in order to convince them to join him, but 
Not all of them do. Uh, actually, not many do. This is the impassioned argument I wish John made to the Black Brothers. Yeah. Because yeah. I thought everything that I thought he should have said, he said and in a very excellent, inspiring way. And I was very satisfied with it. Yeah, that. essentially nothing else matters, you know? Yeah, he got the he got the, the the Metallica song in the background. He did. I Yeah. Yeah. What I hate you, the fucking thins. I I hate the fucking thins too. <laughs> Everyone hates the thins. They do. Although they did have they this guy went out with a little bit of a hero heroism. He did. Surprising yeah. enough. What'd you make of the uh, Legends of Ice Spiders Big as Hounds? Uh, is that I, cool? I thought or not that cool? was just a. I, I don't. I don't know. I I didn't pay any attention because uh, the Thins didn't seem to. I know she comes back and says like, "After all you've seen, really." Yeah. Um, but I. I can't remember because it doesn't in, matter. In season it's, one, it seems old Nan, inconsequential. Old Nan tells something that, that tells a story that like makes Bran shit his pants about the long winter. And in the okay. book, she clearly mentions ice spiders. And I can't remember if she did in the books or the shows or not. But now they got legends of ice spiders. This is something we haven't seen in the books. Do you think it would be cool? Cooler than White Walkers? Like well, I, I just thing, don't see like, the point. Like if, who cares if there are spiders bigger if there than are ice spiders? Why Why are they riding around undead horses? Ride around on your ice spiders, man. That's way cooler. That would be way cooler. You're right. So it's like, I kind of think this, you know, by the law of, con- maybe it's the law of conservation of coolness. They're, they're, they're keeping something in reserve. It, but but it can't be cooler. It cannot be cooler than the White Walkers. I don't know. Like, I fucking hate spiders. I still to this day <laughs> can't watch the scene where Shelob stings Frodo. Like okay. I have to yeah, yeah. physically, it makes me ill. I have to physically wow. look away. I cannot watch the stinger or the bite or whatever the fuck happens. That's a well done spider. Yeah. So yeah. I'm thinking an ice spider would be even more terrifying. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, I don't care. Like it's so much easier to fight an ice spider than it is to fight an undead being. Well, it's, you'd think it'd be easier to shatter a fucking ice sword, but apparently not. You have to have a magical blade or some <laughs> dragon glass or else. That's what I poof. mean. Like the white walkers are infinitely more scary to me. Okay. And they are scarier. Like, I thought the first time we saw a White Walker and his face looking like a hat full of buttholes, I'm uh-huh. like, this is not reading scary. This reads kind of like homeless man chic. Yeah. This is not. But they are starting to get a little creepier. They are. I don't I, know I whether think it's the a, whites are, are creepy. The, the White Walkers are not really. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I, I don't think they're all that creepy, but. I don't know. When that dude walked they're powerful, in they're and intimidating. he was like extinguishing the flames as he went, I was like, wow, this this is this is pretty pretty intense it, it was intense no doubt uh let's talk about it i mean they're they're loading people onto boats here um the the white walkers attack and during the battle john kills one of the white walker lieutenants with uh long claw and he escapes on the boats and looks back while the leader of the white walkers resurrects all their dead troops yep saying come come at me bro yeah this is a huge problem right mm-hmm yeah. I mean, how many people were up there? 60,000? They said 60,000. They said they got like five grand onto a boat. So 55,000 plus Army of the Dead. And they were already scared of the White Walkers. They had Now shit. add 55,000 more White Walkers. Or well, white. Whites, yeah. 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 Uh, so That's a, couple, a problem. So a couple things I want to take apart here. Uh, the, dra- the giant's name is 1-1. One, 1-1? One. Um, one, one? Did George Lucas name him? What's going on there? <laughs> uh, he, he's, he, you know, Obi-Wan's cool, but Obi-Wan one's be- even cooler. Um, he's a... I wondered because there is a giant character about this point in the books. 
obviously it doesn't okay. cut heart and but i was wondering if it's supposed to be the same guy and then when uh Tormund shouts one one to the sea is like ah yes um huh. he also seemed very interested in the dragon glass yeah but it didn't pay off no like or you i was kind of surprised I, I thought like man a giant with i don't think he needed it no it didn't seem like it and i was the because i don't know a lot about giants i was like man how many how many whites does it take to overwhelm a giant? Like, can they actually do him damage? It didn't seem like... Like, I feel like he could take a hundred of them on. No problem. Maybe so. Like, yeah. they, they can't swarm him faster than he can stomp them and smash them. And yeah. He's like, these... Like, it's too bad there's not more giants because, damn. Yeah, it felt like he could really just wade through as many as they could throw at him. And that scene where he's carrying a giant tree trunk on fire <laughs> and you just see uh-huh. him from the waist up just... Running behind and and and, and uh, I think it's John and Ed and Tormund are running in front of him. I don't know why, but that scene just made me laugh out loud. Yeah, because was, was not awesome. even like a laugh from like uh, this is absurd. It's like laugh that this is so cool. Yes, like when you yeah. see a huge explosion, my that, all, my reaction is always to laugh. It's not. That's exactly how I felt when he stomped a couple of white. Yeah, yeah. He stomped him, and every time I laugh out loud. A little bit of ints from Lord of the Rings there. Uh huh. Um. Yeah, so I'm surprised that the, the dragon glass didn't make it out. Akarsi, which is the wildling woman, um, I'm not sure if that was actually mentioned. Uh, she's not. I don't think she's a character in the books. I was mm. very impressed at how well rounded and awesome they made her with like 15 minutes of screen time. Yeah, and then she died. Yep. I'm kind of curious about what the hell is going on with that, because well, you know we we played around with some ideas in instant cast, but I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah, like how how would it be meaningful to have her come back? You know, it doesn't it doesn't seem like it would be yet. Uh, but it could be that they're setting up a long con here mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of things. John Snow at some points his battle says, I've given orders. They'll be obeyed even if I don't make it back. Do you buy that? Damn. I don't know, man. Six Alistair in 5,000 plus a wildling show up at the gates of Castle Black and want in. What's Alistair Thorne do? Uh I think he he pulls he pulls a thorn and says nah. Does the presence nah, of Jon Snow to. change that? Yeah, I think so. Hmm. I, I think there's a lot of respect for uh, for the command structure there. It seems right. Uh, that may be the only thing they respect is the the hierarchy. Did you think that the imagery of the four White Walkers on the ridge was deliberately conjuring the concept of the four horsemen of the apocalypse? This is the first thing I thought of. Okay, so yeah, way. I think so. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is the no-shit, Revelation-style apocalypse coming to you. Yeah. And you're worried about Cersei sucking water off the dungeon floor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and there's that. And I, and Danny will get along. You seem to have a very negative opinion on... It's not negative. ...what goes on in the South not mattering at this point. Uh, I don't think I can forget this. Yeah. So, like, I don't know whether I'm just going to just not care about it, but on the other hand... uh you know, we've gone several. We've gone since season two before since we've seen a really large scale and nothing at this scale. Like yeah. decimating two hundred or so rangers of the Night's Watch is nothing like completely gutting sixty thousand wildlings in the space yeah. of minutes. So like, it yeah, this really is more does... akin to Blackwater than yeah, yeah, than the Battle with the Wall. Yeah, yeah. So I, I do think it's going to be. I'm, I'm saying I'm, it's going to be hard to be invested. It's just going to be like. You know, there again, we only have two books, potentially two, maybe three seasons left. So maybe it is time for everybody in Westeros to catch up with this. And we're going to have a season of maybe people in denial versus people that have got the fever. And, you know, who's going to win? 
So maybe it won't be a problem because, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, eventually they'll all lose if, if they don't get together. I uh, so. also really like the touch of the giant wearing a mammoth rib cage for an armor. Did you notice that? Uh, I I noticed something he was wearing. Yeah, I but thought that was really the the design. I, I thought I think that the wildlings are kind of boring. Like I don't buy that the Finns, okay. like all these various tribes, dress identically. Hmm. But some of the individual touches, like the Lord of Bones and and what one one was was wearing, I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh. So yeah. Now on second viewing, and I actually went and compared. I'm positive. I don't think this was Carsey's children, obviously, because they made it onto the boat, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, the White Walkers chose not to pursue them across the water. Yeah. Um. But I'm certain when they showed her two redheaded children in the boat, and then they showed the two, one older, one smaller redheaded children that were whites, they meant to imply that she was, for whatever reason, I don't think she hesitated because a lot of people were saying, oh, well, she's a mom and blah, blah, blah. I think it's more like, no, she she thought these were her children, and that's what made her hesitate. I think she might actually recognize these children. That's not. I think they might be dead, dead kids who died at heart home from possibly starvation, because these are not, some other... Yeah. diseases anything yeah. i think some people are confused about like maybe when the white walkers reanimate you, you instantly age into a zombie but i think the skeletonized zombies are very ancient very old and yeah. the recently turned ones are essentially like the walking dead zombies they just as and then they decay at a slower rate whatever i don't know but yeah um seems like it because there are people so yeah those are, are those are pretty fresh garb. those are pretty fresh wildling children it seems i think so and i i want to say they're from hard home kids who have mm. died from there could be I, I don't know um anyway i i have a lot of stuff to talk about in this scene as well oh yeah i'm unloading i want to talk about the zombie waterfall the niagara okay what let's the go Niag- the canadian side niagara <laughs> of zombie waterfalls oh that's the waterfall the most impressive side yeah it's the waterfall for which all other zombie waterfalls must be judged uh-huh get ready walking dead get ready <laughs> you start some weak ass one two zombies falling out of a second story window i'm gonna call bullshit on that <laughs> yeah I'm coming I- for you nicotero the bar has been raised yeah i did a little more thinking about that during my second viewing of this episode and you're kind of right I don't know, aside from, like, a a sea of walkers and making them more gruesome looking. You've been saying that for years. I I need need the mega herd. I feel feel like Game of Thrones has given me more mega herd than I will ever see in Walking Dead. (sighs) Yeah. And I mean, like I said, it's the double D's flopping their junk out on the table. It's like, hey, our show's not even fucking about zombies. We're going to out-zombie you. Yeah. Kaboom. It's kind of sad, honestly. I'm, yeah, I'm sure that uh, Gimple and Nicotero will cry themselves asleep under 18 million <laughs> viewers weekly watching it, but Yeah, whatever. for the next 12 years or however long it's on. Okay, what's some of uh I have a of lot of stuff. Thoughts? Um, so, first of all, John doesn't do much to help his case when he's talking about Mance. He's like, I put an arrow through his heart. <laughs> yeah, right. And it takes Tormund to stand up and say, whoa, 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 it was actually a mercy shot. Come on, guys. I, I think that was a deliberate machination, though. Like By if, the writers, yes, it was. No, by John. It was a calculated, like, if I start equivocating, like, well, I killed him, but I kind of was a, like, the wildlings would be like, bullshit, but. But Tormund could back him up. I mean. And I think he was trusting that Tormund would. Like, I'm going to I'm gonna say the absolute truth that's not flattering to me at all, and I'm going to expect okay. Tormund to back him. And if he fucks me, then. Okay. He also goes in offering lands that I'm not sure he can offer. If Stannis doesn't win this battle, 
he definitely can't offer them lands. All right. So this is a little, this is some book background. Oh, boy. But oh, there's no. like, from the wall to 50 miles south along the entire stretch is called the Gift. And it was it was uh, an ancient Stark king gave the Night's Watch all this land to oh, basically do as they okay. said. Back in the days when the Night's Watch were thousands strong and they fully garrisoned 13 castles and they had stewards that farmed the land and did all that. And they were kind of self-sufficient fighting force. So it isn't – I think it's legally within the Lord Commander's right to do whatever the hell he wants with that land. Okay. That it's sovereign Night's Watch territory. All right, yeah, that's not in the show at all, so I was confused. Um, I think they mentioned it, but it was a very offhand, like, you know, we can settle them in the gift or something like that. Oh. But that's what they call it, the gift. Okay, cool. Um, Another thing, they managed to get 5,000 people onto the boats, as far as I know. Maybe most of them were killed, I'm not sure. I think they mentioned 5,000, yeah. They specifically do, yeah. Okay, okay. So... Does 5,000 troops being added to... They are to... all troops. They're, it looks like that they were prioritizing yeah, children okay. and elderly people that couldn't move. <laughs> I'm like, good. Fair point. And elbowing the healthy young men that are trying to get... It's like, get the fuck off here. Yeah. It's, well, it's a Titanic situation, right? Yeah. Panic no. panic on the Titanic. In, including got... people probably freezing to death in water. Yep. 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 Um, maybe including a giant. We'll, we'll see if they're just towing a frozen body behind. So maybe there aren't very many troops coming. I was going to ask if... Uh, if 5,000 troops added to Stannis force changes a siege equation at all. It doesn't seem like it would because it's still a siege. It's the still bad weather, but these guys are prepared to survive in cold weather. The only That's thing the I, other thing. The only thing I'd say, uh, and this is just me speculating off the cuff of the top, uh, off the top of my head, uh, off the cuff of whatever, cuff of my pants, um, is that Stannis, or um, Roos haughtily said, can Stannis's horses jump walls? Yeah. Or how high can they jump? Well, these fucking wildlings can climb a 700-foot ice wall <laughs> on true. the reg. Yeah. So you tell them to climb a 70-foot seventy-foot high Winterfell wall, and you tell 5,000 to do that. I wonder if we're supposed or to Or you get one of... fucking giant. Yeah. Yeah, just push <laughs> down the wall. Uh-huh. What are you going to do against that? Nothing. Nothing. So, I don't know. We know that the giant makes it out of the fight. I don't know if he's going to swim to the wall or what, but he seemed to be cool with wading into that water. No yeah, problem. I feel like a giant can wade through ice cold water and probably even dog yeah. paddle out and just climb up the side of a ship. No, but people are like, how are you going to get the, he's a fucking giant. He's a giant that lives in the land of always winter. He can, he can deal with cold. Yeah. I don't think he's going to fit in a boat, but I don't know that he needs to. Well, I mean, those boats from Stannis are like no shit giant big ships, like Mayflower type. Oh, boats. are they? These are just like uh, yeah, ferry. Yeah, you saw in the distance there was like just 50 okay. plus, maybe even 100 ships out in the harbor, and these are just the rowboats kind of like. Gotcha. Because you can't just take a, yeah. yeah, you can't take a big ship on the beach. They're shuttlecraft. They are. We're going to go, we're going to continue with maybe the Maybe even Trek. roundabout class. Yeah. <laughs> a little, little bit bigger than shuttlecraft. Good. Those are comfortable. They have leather seats. Um, That's season Some seven. is all about the defiant class rowboat. I, I really don't it's like. it's a blade of armor shields. <laughs> It is. Uh, it, I mean, is the the facial anomalies of the thin comparable to Worf's facial anomalies? I was thinking that the Lord of Bones, like the Lord was, of Bones. A, was a good. The, could he could be okay if he lived? He could be. He could shout like Ramings because that was Worf's first fucking instinct on Deep Space Nine. Oh yeah, a console explodes and he's in control of the Defiant. <laughs> fucking ramming speed. Ca- Captain Kirk is worried about getting his crew off the ship. <laughs> Worf's Worf's ramming speed. <laughs> No, it's it's actually a small fire. We actually have ramming speed. <laughs> we got it. It's almost out. Yeah. 
Uh, really? We have full magazines of photon torpedoes. We could like maybe <laughs> shoot them first, see how that goes. Ramming speed. Uh, so I, I don't like this this contrived fight stuff very much. I, I hate to see great choreography ruined by poor reasoning. So John's rummaging around for the dragon class, right? All right. And he's got his back turned, and the Thin's fighting the White Walker. Sure. White Walker kills the Thin, walks over to John, grabs him by the scruff of his neck, and throws him. Okay. He has just impaled a man with that same spear. Why can't he impale John through the back with the spear? Plot armor. God damn it. I hate that so stuff, So here's man. the thing, though. I, I, was, cause I was annoyed by that, too, and I was watching the second one, and I was looking, and it seems like what was happening was the White Walker was missing on his killing stroke. Like every time with John? And yeah. then, like, he was in position to hit him with the butt of the staff, and that's, like, the thing, like, because the position of the choreography, he was now, his momentum had carried him past, so he was either backhanding him or he was hitting him with the blunt end of the staff. I'm it talking specifically like, when John is hunched over back one? to him, rummaging around for dragon glass. Yeah, White Walker comes up, grabs him, with All right. the non-spear hand and throws Because I was looking for that, and I, I was a little mollified. I'm like, okay, this is actually better choreography than I suspected, which I was already amazed with. Yeah, the rest of it is awesome. Because that's the like, thing. I don't like, have a problem you, with any of it. Yeah, like I, I hate fights where there's obvious chances for killing blows and foes motivated to get the killing blow, and they just yeah. choose not to do it. I understand if you want to deliver like a monologue there. And, like, that stops you from right. killing the person. Yeah, I'll allow monologues. Sure. Yeah, but to, you know, to try to harm them without killing them is silly. Okay. Now, do you think... Ah, we got a feedbacker. I'm not going to step on uh, step on their toes. I've had okay. to, by, by necessity, uh, step on a lot of toes this week. I'm going to try to avoid that. We're getting geared up for the 6th Annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints... Except, it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim. Order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar. Then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live.
Hey, it's time for another season of Why is Mr. Feeney a Car? The premise is simple. A Gen Xer and a millennial watch old 80s action TV to see what still works and what doesn't. In previous seasons, we've done podcasts for Knight Rider, Airwolf, MacGyver, A-Team, and more. However, this year we're doing a very special season of Feeney. We're going back and reviewing the very special episodes of 80s and 90s sitcoms. Come cringe along with us as Hollywood tries to warn our families of the dangers of underage smoking, drug abuse, alcoholism, eating disorders, and much more. We start out with the episode of Boy Meets World where a high school kid gets sucked into a cult. Worlds collide as the Mr. Feeney finally makes an appearance on Why is Mr. Feeney a Car? Join me and my buddy Jay each week for episodes full of nostalgia and secondhand embarrassment. And don't worry, a very special isn't your speed. We've also got some all-time classic Knight Rider episodes to close the season with. Find Why is Mr. Feeney a Car? each Wednesday on Bald Move Pulp starting April 3rd. The other thing I wanted to talk about, uh-huh. White Walkers and water. Uh-huh. What's up with that? They refuse to go in this water. Can they just dig a moat in front of the wall and be cool? I don't know. Like, is that going to work? I honestly don't know. Okay. I took this as... So I've been thinking about this in terms of, like, why haven't we seen the White Walkers? And it could be that they're just really smart. Like, why do we, why do we want to kill 100,000 wildlings when we can drive them through the wall, have them kill the defenders of the wall, mm-hmm. mop up the dead, and then destroy the rest? Like, they seem to be really smart about the way they're almost hurting these these people and making the living fight each other, and then they just reap the rewards. And I wonder if this was, like, a psychological thing. Like, you got your 5,000 people in the boats. They're mostly women and children and, and sick old men and uh, not mm-hmm. warriors. Um, you know, the badass wilding woman being maybe it, may, maybe all the women fight like that. Maybe all the children do, too. Who the fuck knows? But I wonder if it's kind of like we're going to deliberately let you escape to spread the terror of us. Mm, yeah. To make our job easier. Like, we could utterly kill you right now, but what would that do strategically? Okay. Whereas if we let you, it's kind of like the classic, I'm going to let you, I'm going to spare you so you can, you know, the glorious bastards. I'm going to let you go so you can then go and, and spread terror of us around the ranks. Because yeah, sure. say what you will about the White Walkers, they do seem to be very smart. I think so. Like, uh, I don't know if they're superhumanly intelligent, but they certainly have a command structure and they do things in very deliberate, intelligent fashion. Yeah. So that's the only thing. The commanders, you know, the armies of the undead seem to be as dumb as armies of of the undead would be, but they're led well. I will say that when he was raising his hands, I was worried that the ice was going and like, good fucking God, row the fucking boat, man. <laughs> row the boat. Uh, I was worried that you'd start to see ice spreading, that he was going to yeah. use some kind of magic ice power. Because mm-hmm. I feel like they could. And it does also feel... I felt feel, like they could too, yeah. It also feels like they... They certainly radiate cold. I think that explains why, as the guy was walking through the room, the like fires died out around them. Uh-huh. So it could be that that they... When the long nights come, the really especially brutal winters, it's when they themselves are actually coming into action. And maybe there's been dozens of these incursions over the years that we don't even know about uh, because hmm. they're stopped by okay. some reason. Who knows? Maybe the children in the forest. Maybe the guy, the Saruman, the dingy up on the tree is fighting a guerrilla war against these guys and they yeah. just can't do it no more, which is why they're reaching out. There's like so many different ideas about why – because – I've gotten the impression that if the White Walkers win, 
that nothing, nothing on Planetos is safe, that you will essentially have an ice age. Like Dorne will freeze, the summer sea will freeze over, everywhere will will freeze over. Hmm. Even even the other continent. Yeah. Even Essos. Huh? Yeah, I think that like you'll have a ball of ice for a world if they win. That's my I don't have anything to, I don't have anything to base that on other than what we've seen on the show. Um, but that's always been my gut feeling that that's the stakes. Yeah. If you lose the war to the White Walkers, you you then have a snowball planet. Okay. All right. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting because I'm not sure what necessarily the consequences would be for other continents. It doesn't it doesn't seem like like I don't know why they're contained. I mean, yeah, if the tree master or whatever is yeah. fighting them, maybe he's kept them contained for a while. But I will say I don't that know what would contain them. Then it does seem that the wall does a hell of a job of containing them, and maybe yeah, they, maybe they can't cross salt water. Maybe it's like you know some lore that we haven't discovered yet, like vampires. Vampires um, in, in mythology can't cross running water. Yeah. And you see that with the strain and shit, like they pay hom- homage to that. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, nobody really does. Mm. There's still a lot to learn about them. And that's the one thing that I've always, um, I've talked about this in the spoiler cast, and now I can talk about it on the, the, the show. I very strongly disagree that, if any theory that just postulates the White Walkers are a fundamentally evil force, because that doesn't, okay. that's very Lord of the Rings. And the one thing George has always said and been critical of the Lord of the Rings, because it's like the great granddaddy of all this shit, is that it's very black and white. There's no gray. Yeah. It's like you Aragorn versus the Witch King. Mm-hmm. Who do you root for? Gee whiz. The guy that runs around the elves, the flowers in his hair, the guy who's got a fucking steel crown and, you know, death and devastation. Yeah. It would be very shocking and disappointing to me if the White Walkers are just some monolithically evil race that just is hell bent on destruction. They have to have a rational motivation. Um, there's theories that maybe that somehow the men have provoked the White Walkers. Um, okay. somehow yeah. in some like ancient pack, because this is all stuff that happened thousands of years ago. There's a there's a theory that says that maybe the wall was created by White Walkers to keep men out, <laughs> and the fact that the wildlings have been flourishing mm-hmm. north of the wall, like despite all their efforts, is like pissed them off. There's, what if they've seen the gathering of the wildlings as a threat? Well, sure, like thinking they're going it's, to attack. It's, them. it's an aggression, act of yeah. aggression. It could be that like eight thousand years ago when they had the original war, one of the peace terms is. We can't really produce normally. Um, we had a deal with the children of the forest that are first men to like give us whatever, like maybe the lame or what. You have to give us a or certain Craster? amount. Craster, of... like I wonder if Craster well, was keeping. See, them Craster always some... said, "I hold to the old gods." Yeah. What if men are like massively reneged on the agreement to give them hmm. offspring, and they're pissed, and now they're coming to claim what's there? Like yeah. if it's just I'm I'm an evil, incom- incomprehensible alien race that cannot be reasoned with. It'll be very unmartin like. So yeah, yeah. There's got to be something there. Yeah, it's interesting though that um, you know, John's able to kill one of them. Sure. And I think that that raises an eyebrow for the rest of them. You know. Yeah. It's like oh, oh, okay. We're not just going to run over these fools uh, right. as much as we thought we were. But uh, I I don't know that that puts much of a dent in them. Yeah. Honestly, like killing one of their guys, big deal. Yeah. Uh it's just it's just another angle, another thing that they didn't think could happen. 
Yeah, because that's the other thing. It's like this happened so long ago. Do they remember their weaknesses? Like the last time? Sure. Like is this guy with the crown, is he literally 8,000 plus years old and he remembers the first battle with men? Or do they have like humanish lifespans? Like maybe long, but nobody knows. Yeah. Nobody really knows. It's all speculation. Yeah. Interesting. But again, you know, these these are these are intelligent beings with a culture of their own. I we even talked about when it was creepy when they turned an infant, but it didn't feel especially evil. Like yeah, the really. guy carrying no. the infant was taking like care of it and and you know, it it wasn't like a <laughs> it was more of just like this is you know, which could be, I mean, it could of be foreshadowing new... of, you know, Craster being important to that whole equation. Yeah. Um, that that could be... Like, he had one you know, guy. They're taking care of someone who they know they're going to turn into one of their own. Sure. They want to. And they never fucked with Craster. Yeah. So that could be a big clue. Like, there's this one guy who is still keeping the faith, <laughs> and that was enough to keep us... But now you, you fucked him over, and we're coming for you. Yeah, and I mean, it ties into the theme of the greater good, too. I mean... What he was doing up there was certainly horrible, right? Sure. But is it the greater good? Is it the hard decision that needs to be made? Yeah. That's a question that I'm not prepared to answer here, but I want to at least get people thinking about it. Uh, The other thing is like, you know, well, why would you choose to be a White Walker? Well, why would you choose to be a Night's Watch? (laughs) Like, it's a shitty life that really limits your opportunities, but some men are drawn to it because of whatever. Like, maybe in the old days, it wasn't seen as like an especially bad thing to be chosen as another a white walker to be turned maybe it was even an honor and we've forgotten that and built you know the wall and or i mean another thing craster could be just an evil son of a bitch too right like he could be giving all of the the male that's the thing children to them to create a force that's capable of destroying this that's what blurs the line because unquestionably craster was an evil son of a bitch yes by our standards absolutely but did the white walkers are, are they the did they make him that way are they just know. you know like he's just offering them tribute maybe they'd rather have full-grown men and women that come willingly but it's like we'll take babies because what else are we going to do we don't yeah. know we know nothing about these people which is am- amazing that we're like 75 percent through the series and we know so little <laughs> yeah it'd be like not knowing the lannisters Lannister's just fucking over to Starks, but we've never met him. We don't know any of the characters. We don't know what they want. We just know they're killing all of our dudes. Sure. And that's kind of like what the White Walkers are at this point. I have one more question, and then I think we're done. possibly have an answer. I don't know. How do you think this battle happened? Like, does the White Walker force know about the going-ons of the, the wildlings? Does do they know that John is on his way up there? Are they planning this attack, or was this a coincidence? I don't know. There's a there's an email that gets to the heart of that. Let's let's save it for that. Okay. Well, I think we're done with the episode recap. I do too. Actually, I I forgot a couple of things I want to talk about. The oh. Darth Maul looking White Walker. Um, he looked at me like he had elf ears. <laughs> well, no, that's important because okay. why is that important? Well, like if. The baby didn't grow magic eight uh, elf ears. May, uh-huh. Like people are always trying to figure out: Are these all people? Were they all formerly people? Or are they distinct species? If they have like elf ears, then that would imply that they're not people. And also, I looked. I actually watched the last episode, the Children of the Forest, the Leaf character um, that threw okay. the fireballs. She yeah. had human-looking ears, so it's like hmm. they're not even like corrupted or frozen Children of the Forest. I don't think I. I just think, you know, since we know nothing about them, I just want to throw that as something that maybe people can run with. The ears got cold. They broke off. Well, that's the other thing is like, I thought that those growths on his head were actually part of his skin. But when he kind of looks, 
There's a one point he turns to the sun, and it looks like those horns are translucent, and also the tips of his ears did too. So it could just be those are like frost jewelry or something. Body mods. Well, I mean, I'm saying like you know he's wearing like a literal crown of thorns, so I don't know that his ears are elfish or they're just frozen. Got his ears clipped. He got his his tongue uh, cut down the middle. His, look his like a face lizard. buttholeified. Yeah, uh-huh. sure. He's gonna tattoo his entire face to look like a lizard next season. <laughs> we have a sponsor this week, Aaron. Great. As you know, we've been talking about Harry's for a while now. Uh, they're the the shave club. Ah, you yes. Know, where you can go ah, online, yes. you can order all your shave products from them, and they'll ship them to you each month, depending on how often you shave. So you know, you shave a couple times a week, they'll ship you a few blades a month. You don't need all that many. It's pretty cheap that way. Mm-hmm. So you just get what you need. You pay for what you need. You don't have any extras that you can't use. What if you have a Valerian kind of steel beard such as mine? How often? Ooh. How, how many blades did you go through? I mean, I would use, like, if you're going to shave, I would use one blade to take it all off. <laughs> throw that blade in the trash because it's useless now. Yeah. And then start with a fresh blade. Okay. And then, then you'll be good. All right. I think. Uh, but as you know, Father's Day is coming up in a couple of weeks. I do. And Harry's has you covered. For Father's Day. They've got the Father's Day set. Um, we also have you covered. Because if you go to harrys.com and you, you want to get your father something nice, um, get him a shave kit, which you know he can use. Every man can use a shave kit. Sure. It's a nice um, one, too. I looked at it online. It is. It comes in really nice packaging. It has a nice stand and everything. Uh, keeps your blades fresh out of the water uh, and, and in good working condition. Uh, you go there. You use the code GOT when you check out. And you get $5 off that package. Nice. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a good way to help out Bald Move, help out Harry's. Because Harry's is started by a couple of guys just like us, honestly. Just a couple of guys who are passionate about shaving. Harder um, worker, working, more business savvy. Oh, well, certainly, yeah. Better, better at just about everything. but Delivery. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to say they're just like us is probably a, a slight <laughs> against them. But... In fact, I just heard what's that? Oh, they pulled our ads. Uh, oh God, back it up. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you're if you're looking for a good Father's Day gift, and who isn't in the next couple of weeks? I'm desperate for one. Do you know how hard it is to shop for my old man? I I don't know. It's it's impossible. All right, yeah, all you can buy him is motorcycles. I uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> okay. sorry, I drove us to a dead end here. You did, you did. Hopefully, he doesn't with his motorcycles. Uh, so yeah, dark. Go check them out. I've been really, I've been using their products for like six months now. Really enjoying them. They're they're real good. I switched over from another shave club, which won't be mentioned. Mm, the um, bad one. The bad one, yeah. To the good one, Harry's. So go check them out. Harry's.com. It's use, funny that a, a company called Harry's is the good shave company. I, right? Yeah. It's they, a they need me fairly for the ironic spokesman. name. They need me for the spokesman. You could be the Jared of Harry's. There you go. <laughs> I lost my beard, my old beard, <laughs> when I switched to Harry's. I lost 35 pounds of beard weight just by switching to Harry's. Awesome. Yeah, go check it out, harrys.com. Use the code GOT. Get five bucks off your first order. Sounds great. All right, let's get us some feedback. All right, moving on to Jesse M. Uh, in this episode, we learned that Valerian Steel is able to kill White Walkers, which isn't surprising because it's forged in dragon fire. That's speculation, not fact. Okay. This made me think of where else we know Valerian Steel exists, and that's Brienne Sword Oathkeeper. She's also up in the north, so maybe we can expect some Brienne White Walker fight scenes later on. Thought that last episode was so intense, I'm not sure we'll see another White Walker battle scene as large as that by the end of the season. Uh, what is your opinion about Brienne and Oathkeeper making its way to the wall? 
Hmm. Well, if Sansa gets free and she wants to go see her brother, mm-hmm. maybe. Okay. I, I don't know how else it would happen. All right. I don't know what reason she would have to go north. Uh, there's another sword hanging around, Joffrey's sword, right? Yeah, Widow's Whale I don't, or Heart Eater or Heart Spain. I don't know where Widow's... that went after he died. I would suspect Tommen has it. Because okay. a Valerian sword's not something you bury. It's, no. It's a family no. heirloom that yeah. is passed down through generations. Okay. And the Lannisters are salty because they lost theirs like 100 years ago. <laughs> um, moving on to Mike McSee. Is Valerian steel made of dragon glass? When Jon Snow stuck to, or the, struck the White Walker, it was destroyed in the same manner as when Sam stabbed the White Walker a few seasons ago. What's your opinion, Jim? Made of dragon glass or like par- partially? Well, you know, like I guess so it could be infused with essentially dragon steel glass. is iron that's been mixed with coal. Oh, okay. Like you put carbon. That's like a, they, mm. they they think that steel was invented by accident. That they were working the blacksmiths were working steel, and they're like, hey, this this metal seems a lot harder than the others, but mm. it's more brittle. And they then start playing with adding carbon to it. So hmm. is it possible that this is steel infused with obsidian? Uh, yeah, sure. That's certain. I mean, no one, I can't stress this enough. <laughs> no one fucking knows. Like making a Valerian steel is a lost art. There's only a handful of people that know how to reforge yeah. existing stocks of metal. So nobody really knows. Uh, why don't the White Walkers use their quote unquote death wind in multiple waves of attack instead of just the initial strike? I know it wouldn't be uh, as dramatic, but the Deathwind appears to be more efficient. I think Deathwind stopped by walls, hmm. by, by the gates, I think. I have a question for you. Why doesn't bo- a boxer just throw haymakers for 12 rounds? He'll <laughs> get winded. Yeah, I, I feel like that, you know, it's like, yeah, World of Warcraft and magic cooldowns feel artificial, but, like, I can't do an infinite amount of push-ups. I can't throw an infinite amount of pushes or punches. Yeah, I, I don't know. When you throw magic in the equation, it gets a little harder to say... They have physical limitations. But to the extent that you ground it in reality, nothing is infinite. And I think Game of Thrones feels like there is always cost to things. You can't just get shit for free. Okay. So that's my response. I don't know because no one really knows the, uh, the the rules. But if something is really badass, they can't just spam it, for lack of a better word, because they just wear themselves out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ephraim MR says, although it's clear last season when we see the Night King turn the baby into a white walker, it's now even more evident that these are sentient thinking beings organized and trained in battle with a military structure and hell piecing together all I've seen so far. I might say there's even a culture to them. Is this white walker culture explained in the books? Is there something you could share with us without spoiling the books too much? Nope. Because I don't know. I don't know. Like I've as much as I shared in just last is all just shit that book readers have kind of made up to kind of try to explain events we've seen in the books and also that's been transcribed in the show. Yeah, from what I can understand, your your book White Walker is more of an enigma than the show White Walker. Oh, we've seen way more show White Walker. Yeah. Like the that fact, baby stuff never happened. The fact that the Valerian book. steel can kill him didn't know. Yeah. The fact that they transform human babies into the stuff that book readers hinted, you know, because you know, Craster was doing he's he was said he was offering them. Was it yeah. sa- we didn't know now we know because of the television show. So yeah, show watchers, arguably a person only watching a show knows more about the White Walkers than a person that only read the books. Hmm. Um and also I think that I can remember interviews of the double D's saying when we first saw the White Walkers, you recall that they made like this elaborate symbols with the heads 
of the men and horses they killed. Yeah. And they said that was deliberately to show people that they did have a culture and an intelligence, that they weren't just like your average, you know, zombie. Mm -hmm. So this is just now like we're seeing all these these chickens come home to roost and we're getting it's it's obvious now. Naaman says, is there anything dragon related or is it that anything dragon related is the only thing that can destroy White Walkers? Will Bran warg into dragons and lead the other two or into Drago rather and lead the other two dragons to save the north? I mean, it kind of makes a certain elemental sense, right? Right. Dragons and fire. Ice and fire. Yeah. Um, also, this, this, you know, the theory that I had of, like, we're not going to see new types of magic. We're going to see combinations of magic. We have dragons. We have dragon glass and Valerian steel that have some ties to the dragon culture being proof against White Walkers. Yeah, we think. You take the peanut butter and the chocolate together and you get a great taste, which is brand potentially warging into dragons. All right, like, sounds cool. Like the Saruman the Dingy said yeah. that the, you know that you're never going to walk, but you can fly. You know, is he just talking about crows? I, I hope he works in the one that Tyrion's riding. Is all I can say. Oh, Tyrion's going to ride dragons now. Yeah, well, mildly Tyrion, interesting. My, that's been my theory for a while. Oh, really? A good long while. Yeah, we should talk about this because that's. Uh... <laughs> I, I said it's just going to be like the never-ending story. He's going to be riding Falgor into King's Landing. <laughs> Sure, when eighty synth track is throbbing behind. Oh yeah, like totally. Just, well, as the theme of he's our, he's gonna have the headband. As our podcast gonna, theme plays in the uh -huh. background. His hair is gonna get a little bit longer. <laughs> See, he's gonna betray you by the end of this. Uh, tirade. Oh, I can't. I can't do it. Um. All right. Sean M <laughs> says, "Crazy thought on the book releases. I know there's no precedent for this, as it takes G R R M Germ so long to write a new book. But what if he has been effing with us? What if he's working on both books right now?" It'd be amazing if we were to get the final two books at the beginning of 2016 and 2017 prior to each new season on HBO. Hmm. It feels as if the Double Ds are not trending too much into new things this season, knowing that at least The Winds of Winter will be available in time for season six. Maybe Dream of Spring could follow it up. Martin should know how he wants to end the story. Hopefully the bullet points are there, and now it's just a matter of telling the story. Do you buy that he is secretly working on both books and he's going to drop them a year apart from each other? What other explanation could there be? That he's a slow writer. Oh, my God. I don't want to believe that. I don't want to believe that. I, I don't know, man. It's here. Here's like the I'm not in, super invested in this because I don't right. read the books. And he never but, will. But I'm it's a curiosity to me. Yeah, no, I, I But the man you. has had what? 15 years. He's been working on this for 20. Game of Thrones has been on the air for, or like in development for six, maybe seven years. And 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 Dance as of Dragons you came out five years ago. That they picked up this show, you should start shitting your pants yeah. and say, "I need to write these books." Yeah. Instead, he's writing Dunkin' Egg Chronicles and, and working on anthologies. The of world of women. Westeros. Yeah. Yeah. I, I man, I don't know what's going through that guy's head. Frankly, I don't either. He's a, a complete mystery to me. I wonder because famously he struggled on books four and five. With the Miranese knot, which is okay. you got Danny over here in Marine with for good reasons because he's a gardener, not architect. You got everybody else interesting over at Westeros. How the fuck do you get these plots together? And it took him two books and two different timelines and a bunch of bunch of bullshit to figure that out. And yeah. maybe once he got that resolved, he thought it would be smooth sailing, and then he got the winds of winter and he's like, ah. Oh. 
how do I get? I got a. I got, got a, the northern knot. I got a God. Winterfell knot now. Uh-huh. What the fuck is going on? I I don't know. Um, Sean, I would say that I find it unlikely because, like, you see that shit in the Hollywood, right? Um, you know, the first movie of a trilogy went well. We're going to film the other two trilogies as part of a whole, yeah, and then release them because why? It saves money. It saves money to get all that filming done. Books don't work that way. No, like. Every year that he does not publish these books, he's turning away millions of dollars, and so is his publisher, of revenue, um, and they're not saving any. So I find it unlikely. Now, could he be doing this just as a way to like troll the fans? Like, hey, I'll drop Winds of Winter next spring, and I'll drop Dream of Spring next spring? Maybe. Yeah. But it would certainly be, like you said, it's it's unprecedented. So I think it's, it's we'll probably see. wishful thinking at this point. Yeah, yeah. I fully expect to maybe I'm 50-50 whether we'll get Winds of Winter before next spring, and then I'm 1% chance that we'll get Winds of Winter before Season 7 of of, of Game of Thrones. Wow. Which okay. has interesting rep, uh, you know, interesting implications for the spoiler section. Big yeah, implications. what do you do if there's no new book? Probably don't what do one. You, yeah. You know? How could you? It's it's you know we'll do it just like any other show I suppose like we'll talk about maybe leaks and and other episodes and stuff but like you'll have to flip it on its head it'll have to be a book spoiler ooh podcast ooh. where you're talking about the show <laughs> yeah which is essentially a thirty second section of me saying you should you should watch the show yeah yeah you should watch the show son of a bitch it's all there Lily S said one thing I've been thinking about since Margaret Marjorie's imprisonment by the faith is how the show has shown no reaction from the common people. However, we hear some jeers from the crowd towards Tommen as he walks up, towards mm-hmm. the sept about being an abomination, etc. It seems that in previous seasons they made a point of showing the Marjorie doing acts of charity and winning public support with her, even telling Joffrey how to win the love of the people. Yeah. You'd think that that would help, being that the High Sparrow is supposed to be representing the common man. But so far, the commoners are not appearing to be trying to help her. I'd be like, thanks a lot, assholes. That's the last time I give you all free food and toy soldiers. I doubt this, but what if it's some symbolic message that Double Ds are saying to the fans about how fickle the worship of the public is like? We give you four solid and fucking mind-blowing seasons, and one season takes some time to build up again, and you bitch about seeing dragons already? Come on, man! What do you think of that? Is is any of this subtle commentary? Uh, Do you think that we haven't seen the common man's reaction? Do you Mm -hmm. think that that actually will be a huge plot point before everything's said and done. So if it's commentary, it's preemptive commentary, right? Like they'd have to know. All right. We made five episodes. We know people are going to fucking hate. Yeah. 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 We're, we're this wheel is moving very slowly. Yeah. Let's build in an episode here. Uh, so I, I kind of discount any of that, um, given the nature of the filming of the show. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I think that's a fair criticism that we haven't seen the, much of the commoner's perspective. And it's interesting that Tyrion in this episode brings up the commoner to Danny. Mm-hmm. She thinks she's going to ride in and save the day and the commoner is going to support her. But mm-hmm. what really do they think? We, I, I feel like we don't know. And Danny certainly doesn't know. Yeah. Um, I, I almost think that's there on purpose. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like furthering my whole break the wheel, do something different besides top-down leadership because the High Sparrow claims to be for the common man. But we know the common man loves Marjorie, like, yeah. from past seasons. So if they're getting accurately represented, or represented, then Marjorie should get off easy and Cersei should get the book thrown at her. I would hope so, yeah. The Pillars of the Seven Stars or Seven-Pointed Star or whatever the book is called. 
so yeah, I, I think it's more, I, I don't know. I, I don't know whether we'll see like a popular revolt against the high septon or the high. Yeah, Sparrow I wonder. They because could be like, he's overstepping up. his bounds. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's all fun and games and he got Cersei in prison, but Marjorie, that's, that's serious business. Paul M says, who do you think makes the White Walkers cool uniforms? I only read this because the same the same company that makes Captain America's uniform. Some people have looked at the show and has seen commonalities between the Night's Watch uniform designs and the White Walker uniform designs. Hmm. Okay. That essentially the White Walker uniforms are arguably more ornate, elegant versions of what the Night's Watch is wearing. And if you imagine the Night's Watch thousands of years ago when they're fully garrisoning 13 castles and had tons of money and honor and prestige and maybe they would actually wear uniforms that looked more like the black, cool-looking armor that the Night's Watch... Now they're just wearing, like, leather jerkins and bullshit like that. Yeah. And people are wondering if that has... If that's hinting that there is some kind of common shared history that maybe the Night's Watch is a perversion Hmm. of what it used to be, or that they have similar backgrounds. And that shows speculation. That has nothing to do with the books. That's just based on the visual motifs of the different armors and how close proximity they are geographically. Uh, I like that in that it invites a lot of speculation. Yeah. It's kind of (laughs) similar to, like, Lord of the Rings. Like, they did that intentionally, like, when they showed scenes of, like, the Second Age... The elves, they intentionally made their armor, like, shinier and cooler and more ornate. Hmm. And then when you see them, like, a thousand years down the line, still pretty awesome by man standards, but it's, like, scaled-down versions of that because they've diminished as a people. Yeah. It's kind of that same fantasy hieroglyphics Rosetta Stone. You're like, oh, well, they did it in this, well, maybe they could do it here. Okay, that's cool. I think it's, it's, something, to, it's something to keep our eyes on. I think so, yeah. Slade says... Uh, imagine a thou- he goes. He wonders if the White Walkers can resurrect any dead body, whether it's been in the ground for any arbitrary amount of time. I mean, those skeletons that were buried up in the snow were pretty dead. If so, then the South is in for a whole lot of hurt. Imagine thousands of years worth of dead buried emerging from the ground. We're easily talking about a million dead army here. Yeah. No one knows. I would suggest that maybe... Maybe that the magic only works on a freshly dead corpse, and then that these guys popping out of the ground up north of the wall were like things enchanted from long, 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 long ago. Sure, and they just been laying dormant. Because they've, otherwise, they've... you're right. Westeros is fucked. <laughs> yeah, you walk yeah. through a dra- you just recruit by walking through dread you by uh, through graveyards and raising your hands. Yeah, so yeah, that's bad news. <laughs> Josh H said, "Did you or you and Jim mention it very briefly during the instant cast? But do you think Dragon or Danny's dragons will? What do you think Danny's dragons will do against the Whites and others? Not being the biggest Danny fan, but even uh, even if I was, I would think that it would be lame if a strafing run by dragons could destroy an entire White army. When the White Walker walked into the burning building, the fire seemed to die a bit. Could the White Walkers be fireproof?" I'm okay with the good guys winning, but I don't want Danny doing nothing until two scenes before the end and then flying up and destroying the army of the dead, as John calls them. You have to assume the White Walkers have been around a long time, would have another trick up their sleeve besides just their necromancy powers. As the hard home scene was totally a show creation, I'm curious what you two think of the seemingly inevitable Walker-Dragon showdown. What do you think, Jim? First of all, I agree that it's seemingly inevitable. I think even the name of the series Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, would indicate that. I'm kind of with you that I don't know that a dragon's fire alone is going to be enough to stop 
the White Walkers, I think it probably burn the shit out of the whites though we've seen them go up in flames they seem to be made of kerosene and kindling <laughs> yeah like yeah. that's like their magical weakness is fire yeah so i mean if you can get john swinging the valerian swords uh-huh. uh get a couple of brothers with dragon glass and a dragon's a couple of dragons from above mm-hmm. i think you probably do some damage to these guys but they are showing the fire suppression powers for lack of a better word of the white walkers for a reason like it's not yeah, yeah, I would that's be, what I I'd mean. I'd be very like, surprised that there, it's just going to be a straight-up one-for-one, no countermeasure, you're just fucked. You forgot about dragons, bitch. Yeah, yeah. You thought they were dead. You thought they were dead. Surprise, there's three of them. It, it seems to me that the Valerians needed more than their dragons, right? Why, why else create this Valerian steel that's yeah. capable to, of killing a White Walker? Uh, I'm saying dragons deal with the Whites. Yeah. Uh, humans with Valerian steel and dragon glass deal with the white walkers yeah and, and who knows how many white walkers there are what if there's a what if there's a million yeah, of them sure they're just that's a there problem chilling, you know <laughs> uh-huh. so it could be like yeah the dragons can even the odds a bit but you still have to have you know men and women of stout hearts against the yeah men and women of ice hearts or something i don't know that's what it feels like to me but i don't know all right robert s i couldn't help but think this episode highlighted something i feel is often overlooked Danny's not only unlikable, she's a terrible leader. You have Jon Snow acting courageously and wisely for the thousandth time while Danny sits and whines and does nothing. <laughs> I think this highlights that Jon should be the leader of the people that the people can get behind and not Danny. I know some people like Danny, but I'm not one of them. I'm Team Jon all the way. How do you read the situation? Uh, you bring up a good point about Danny's inactivity. Mm-hmm. Why is she sitting on her duff at this point? Uh, she, because every time she leaves the city, they fall back into slavery and bullshit, so... She's decided this is where she's but going she's, to... But she's not at Slaver's Bay. or Wait, Slaver's yeah. Bay is Marine? Yeah, Marine's like she, the capital city of Slaver's Bay. Well, she's not at the other cities in Slaver's Bay. Um, I would assume that... But that's what... that's Those what, cities um, are falling back into slavery? Well, they were, but that's what uh, uh, Dario and uh, Hisdar were out so- sorting earlier in the season. Okay, so that's sorted. They reconquered it. Well, I, I, at least one <laughs> of the cities is. I'm not sure if all of them are. Okay. I don't even remember the names of those cities, but... Young Guy and uh, Astapor. Ah, yeah, okay. I, I actually pulled Astapor out of my ass. I was really worried, like, oh, <laughs> shit, I'm not going to know the third one. Putting me on the spot. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know that I... She seems very concerned with this wheel, and yet she's not doing anything at the moment. Is And I don't know that she's a bad leader. I mean, Tyrion comes in, he says, okay, here's a couple of things that you did right. Right. I agree with those two things that you did most recently. And it wasn't until recently that she started leading with her heart again, I guess. Yeah. Um, and her head. Yeah. Tyrion validated those things. So I don't know that she's a terrible leader. I think that she is in she's you know, inexperienced and she's in need of someone who can advise her properly. Right. Well, so John, like, he grew up under Ned Stark who was a terrible political leader down south. Yeah. But he inspired all kinds of loyalty amongst his men. And then John went to the wall where essentially is the hardest of hardcore northern senses of loyalty and honor. I mean, yeah, you got their horses and rape the the horse thieves and rapists and murderers and all that up there. Mm-hmm. But the command structure is set around kind of those northern ideals. Whereas Danny was a baby and an and a child who was brought up by her abusive older brother 
and never given any kind of training, never seen. I mean, her example of leadership was her fucking brother Viserys, who was a yeah. you know how good it felt when he finally got his golden crown. Oh yeah. Uh, so and and you think of her advisors have not been nearly on the level of like you know uh at at Winterfell there was a maester on staff and he was able to educate all the children and yet you know Ned kind of tr- trying to teach him concept of honor and Benjen what was Danny's example so is it surprising mm-hmm. that she's perhaps not as effective a leader when she has actually led like a war party she's been really effective like she's inspired all kinds of loyalty and she's having trouble govern put Jon Snow in Marine and see what happens <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know what would happen there. Um, I mean, is he going to be able to effectively lead a team of like a hundred black brothers? Like he, you know, there was already grumbling and all that, and they're on the same side. Like, but that just brings me back to like, I, I don't know if her her goals are misaligned with her talents or something. Like, that's possible. I know she wants to to defend the the freedom that she has set up in these cities. Yeah, but and that's one of her goals. But her main goal it seems to be is to take the throne and do something good with it. I would, it seems like her, maybe she's not her, making any movement toward that. Her talents are fire and blood, but what she's being called to you to, to, to do is diplomacy and, yeah. and very tricky governance of very different people that want different things. And again, like you got to ask yourself, what would Jon Snow do in Marine? Mm-hmm. He could be dead already. Who knows? But um, <laughs> I think Tyrion is much better suited to that. I'm frankly, yes. You know, again, in the books, Tyrion uh, was heading that direction, but he never made it into Danny's audience. So huh. now that he's there, uh, yeah, it's like super exciting. The possibility of him, yeah. you know, advising a worthy ruler, worthy ruler is exciting. Clarence M on Arya says, when is she going to come in contact with Marin Trant? If you recall, that's the King's guard was sent to guard Mace Tyrell who was ordered by Cersei to go and negotiate with the Iron Bank of Bravos? Yeah. Uh, at what point were her po- cr- uh, paths crossed with him? The entire purpose of Arya's storyline this season would be kind of dulled if we don't see her cross and name off her list. This is the longest we've ever seen her go without dropping a name. It seems pretty, pretty, pretty done deal that they will cross paths. I don't know if it's this season or next season. What's your thoughts? Yeah, if they're going to be in the same city at the same time. Yeah. I can't imagine the show not going there. What do you think the impact of that would be? Uh, she might swoop in because I, I firmly believe that Trant is going to try to kill uh, Tyrell. Mm-hmm. Well, what's his name? Mace. Mace. Um, she, she might be able to save him. Hmm. Mace Tyrell might know who she is. What do you think the faceless men think of that? Uh, mm, that's a good question. I don't she's know supposed that to be I'm Lana, and she goes and acts as Arya. Yeah, they probably won't like that. <laughs> Especially if she pulls needle out to get the job done. Oof. Like, I'm, I'm not sure she's going to be part of the Faceless Men if she does that. I could totally see Arya getting kicked out of the Faceless Men group. Yeah, like taking matters into her own hands at some point like, and is, just getting kicked yeah, out. Is, is Arya just becoming a Faceless Men? Is that an interesting end game for her? Or like we've seen her Cereal Pharrell. That wasn't the end game. That was just a a point along the road. Even yeah. Jacken in season two, the Hound in seasons three and four, like she all took something from them, but that wasn't the destination. So how likely yeah. is it that <laughs> I Ari... really think this is another step in her journey to learn to kill? Hmm. Where do you go from the faceless men? Back to your list, I guess. Yeah. So you, you start killing. She's gonna have a tough time with you the go mountain. rogue. 
You go rogue. Yeah. Huh. All right. Um, Dario is leader of the, he, he does an analysis of all the potential leaders of the sons of harpy. Dario as leader of the sons of harpy. Here's the points for, he did grow up in the fighting pits and says he owes everything he is to them. Okay. He knew how to fight or find the hiding sons of harpy. He knows he keeps trying to get Danny to kill all the masters, similar to Zaro Don Zon duck sauce from season two. He mentions Danny should marry him instead of his dar. All of a sudden he's pointing figure at his dar being the leader Possibly classic Game of Thrones red herring. Evidence for his dar as leader. The second wait, 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 wait. Well, we didn't, we're not getting any evidence against? No. Would you, would you care to give any? He loves Danny. He's boning her. No, 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 no. That's not evidence against. That's, that's just a tactical play. Uh, he killed one of the Sons of the Harpy. So he'd have to be killing his own guys, which, you know, classic, you can see the long con. Villain move, sure. Yeah, it's a long con. Uh, but I, I think that's a fairly substantial point against it. Okay. Hisdar is leader of the Sons of Harpy. In the second episode, he did act suspiciously ignorant to knowing who the Sons of Harpy were, and he is, quote, part of a prominent family, and he never heard of them. If he were an advisor in Westeros, okay. he would have been sniffed out in seconds. The Sons of Harpy stopped killing once he was named as the future king. Mm-hmm. He had the note of fighting pits. Uh, people are still slaves, and he's the head of the most prominent house in all of Marine. Marine. Yeah, I think the finger is pointing firmly at him at the moment. A supporting of a dual axis power of his Dar and Dario being co-leaders of the Sons of Harpy. Oh my god, okay. Dario did say that a prominent family brought, bought his freedom from the fighting pits. Mm. Him and his Dar have traveled together to quell the rebellions of Yunkai. What if Dario knows his Dar and his family because they were the family that bought his freedom? Is there a conspiracy, Jim? Uh... Yeah, I I forget. So I remember, you know, basically how Dario and Danny hooked up. He was she was she came in, she was trying to free these people and they were a force that was paid to protect the city. Mm-hmm. She convinced them um convinced specifically Dario to kill the other guy mm-hmm. and join her instead. Uh Are we to believe that that was a long con? Cuz you would have to go back that far. I think I, 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 I don't know. That seems pretty unlikely. I think so too. Yeah. But on the other hand, there is a little, I mean, there's, it feels like it fits the shape of things. Like there's key words, like a, a rich family freed me. This guy's the head of the richest, most prominent family. Like there are some, it kind of fits together, but you're right. Like you're assuming that this, this conspiracy goes back a long, long ways. And that his dar, in an effort to get Dario into the good graces of Danny, would be willing to give up a whole city. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, maybe he doesn't have any stake in that city, but it seems like a long shot to me. Or that I Dario's mean, involved. If they're in game as to get slavery back in Marine, they've already won. Seems like it. So yeah. it could be that. I mean, it could be a purely financial motive. Hmm. Scott V says that Battle of the White Walkers is awesome, but I have a question. The White Walkers only showed up because they can sense the dragon glass, right? They can sense dragon glass. Is that that White Walker? You, 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 you touched on this sense in the, main... the Valerian steel. I know that much, but well, that could be a surprise. It, this yeah. could very well be the first time they've experienced Valerian steel. Like if the last really, okay. I don't know. I'm just saying that the last time I know that humans and White Walkers thrown down was like eight thousand years ago. Sure, I mean that's an answer to the question I had. Yeah, 
Like, how did they know? Is this an ambush? Is this a coincidence? Maybe that Azora High guy out. originally was the first guy to discover Dragonglass, and it was kind of a shot. I don't know. Uh, anyway, that was a, a, a speculation. He goes, if so, will any wildlings blame John for bringing the White Walkers down on them? Hmm. Well, he doesn't have the Dragonglass anymore. Um, the ones who got away might be pissed <laughs> that all their families died. All right, you brought the uh, dragon glass. It's like uh, a dog whistle to these guys. How would they know that, though? It's like some kind of mystical, like they can feel the vibration, like spidey sense. No, no, no. I mean the wildlings. How would they know that dragon glass is the thing that brought them? Well, I mean, there's, uh, you could just... I they mean, just jump to the conclusion? It could also be that they're superstitious folk and that yeah. they might leap to, you brought dragon glass, the arch weapon of these guys, and then they show up literally within hours... I could see a superstitious people, even if there is no connection. Maybe, maybe so. Making that casual connection. Yeah, but then again, it's a bunch of women and children and old men, so do you really care? Yeah, well, I mean, not all the They're not going to help you out with the yeah, battle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, He also was the guy to ask the question about Winter last podcast, and he wants to know, is there anywhere that Winter doesn't go in Westeros? If everyone falls back south far enough, are they safe? Can walkers get as far as King's Landing, for example? Nobody knows, but... There is a little bit of a hint in the show that the White Walkers are literally bringing cold weather with them. Yeah. So it seems I would buy that, like, if an army of White Walkers marched on King's Landing, it would bring fr- frigid temperatures with them. Yeah, I like how wrapped up that is in um, kind of ancient understanding of the world as well. Like, oh. w- winter kind of represents death. Sure. In a lot of ways. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it's it's a hokey thematic thing when you're to a do naked in a ape, piece of literature. When you're a naked ape, frozen wastelands are a scary thing. Yeah, but to to give it personification, yeah, I think, yeah, is sure. the more interesting part of that. Sure. Uh, just like, you know, people point up at the sun and they say, oh, look, Ra's up That's there. a good thing. That makes our plants grow. Exactly. It makes my skin warm. Yeah. This thing makes me hurt. <laughs> yeah. It kills me. And there, you know, there have been all sorts of gods throughout the ages, and sure. I think that's a different way of looking at it, that it's a force, not necessarily a, a god. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And that's the things like, where on earth are you safe from glaciers? If you're living 15,000 years ago... They move really slow, I guess. <laughs> I mean, pretty much anywhere, I think. But, like, there's been times in this planet that we've had an ice age where yeah. the, the glaciers come, like, you know, you wouldn't be safe in Indiana, at least not the northern half, so... Yeah. You know, if you got something like that coming on a more regular mystical basis, who 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 can say where you're safe? Mm -hmm. Jordan from England says, I was thinking about what action Kevin Lannister could take when he returns to King Landing. With young Tommen locked up in his bedchambers with Sir Pounce, it will be left to Kevin as active hand to deal with the situation. Not much is known about Kevin. It will be hard to predict his next move. My prediction is that Kevin shares his brother's determination to further the family line. Currently, there is no heir to Lannister. With Jaime, a member of the Kingsguard, Lancel being with the Faith and Tyrion being... Well, Tyrion, one thing we are made uh, clear of is the lack of affection for Cersei. He believes that he will testify against Cersei, confirming the illegitimacy of Tommen as king. Tommen will be stripped of his crown, but in doing so, will be left free to carry on the family name, Kevin's main objective. Is Kevin going to go down there and father himself some sons and start a new land? Is is, Is he up to no good? Is he up to furthering the Lannister legacy? One. What claim does he have to the throne? We've talked about the claim being through the Baratheons, right? Yeah. And the only reason Tommen's got it is because Cersei had it as as his wife, right? And, yeah. And Tommen was ostensibly his son, but if that's found out to be false... You're right. Kevin doesn't have a claim. Yeah, no. 
who has a claim? No one Stannis. at that point. If, if well, okay, yes, Stannis is the only one, but he's and he's got who knows if he'll ever get to King's Landing. That's the thing, but but if if it if the what do you do with an absentee king? How do you, how do you fill that void in King's Landing? Is my question, I guess. I would stop fucking around in Winterfell and just ride south as hard and fast as you can, because if you've got the best claim to the throne, so you send a raven up to Stannis and say, "Hey, you're the king, bro. Get here." Yeah, I mean that's the whole thing about the you know what where does power reside? Like, will the Mart, you know, if, if the Lannisters are fucked would the, would the Tyrells abandon them? Like Martell seem like they would support Stannis. I think this is why George Martin is not writing the next books. <laughs> it's fucking, it's complicated. <laughs> yeah, it really is it's complicated. We should start some game of Thrones fan fiction in the off season. Perfect. I love Do it. Martin's job for him. Let's get it on the forums. Let's subcontract that shit out. Oh God. Where, where each that would person be writes a paragraph. You're allowed to write one paragraph. <laughs> we should totally do that. I would love to see that. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, and we could read chapters on that. That's what the spoiler edition. There you next go. Year. That's perfect. Oh God, uh, Matthew B. I'm aware. I'm a veteran of Iraq and Afghanistan. Not to get into too many details, but I've seen been in some pretty nasty fights during my time in combat. Mm. Sometimes when we go out and spend a couple of days in crazy fighting, then come back to our forward operating base. We'd go right into the chow hall to get some food, and we'd always be some higher ranking asshole to tell us our uniforms are dirty <laughs> or we didn't have the proper eye protection on. That's all I was thinking is awaiting Jon Snow <laughs> and the Wildings when they get back to Castle Black. Alistair mm-hmm. Thorne is that asshole who would say, your uniform is dirty. Jon Snow needs to show everyone that nothing matters apart from the threat of the walkers. I thought this is interesting. I think feel like that's a fairly right analogy. I can see Alistair Thorne being like, oh, you got some problems with the White Walkers and the Army of the Dead. Yeah, I mean... Alistair's never been north of the Wall. Uh, sure. I, I I agree. Alistair's an asshole through and through. I I mean, but Jon Snow outranks him, right? So like, Jon Snow comes back. But what you don't tell you don't tell a general if you're a lieutenant, you don't tell a general your uniform's dirty when he gets back. You know who outranked everybody? Who's that? Jor Mormont, <laughs> and he got stabbed by the Fukin legend man. It's true. So it's true. Rank uh, isn't necessarily a shield. Anyway, Matt, thanks for your service. Yeah. Uh, he also says we can reasonably assume that most of the White Walkers, or can we reasonably assume that most of the White Walkers are boys from Craster's wives? I think the badass spear wielding ones are probably the offspring of Craster. Do you think there he's coming go. to play later with Gilly's son? Like, will we see a Walker protect his brother? Is Gilly the aunt of the other Walkers? I'll throw in another one. <laughs> what if the Walkers are down here because they're just pissed that one got away? There you go. Like, this is yeah. some bullshit. We had one guy, one guy keeping faith with us. And no, you're too good to give your son up. Yeah, I think, you know, he's just bringing full circle what we were talking about earlier. Our our speculation. I like it. Yeah, lots of show speculation going on. Alan C says, now that we know that Valerian Steel can kill White Walkers, do you think there's something to be said about Ned's great Valerian sword being named Ice? A few hmm. things come to my mind. There was more than the name to the name Ice than just being in, from the cold north. It was always described as a huge sword. Maybe that makes it better for fighting White Walkers. It was passed down through generations of Starks, and does that mean the ancient Starks used to fight the White Walkers? Best of all, now that we're partially back in the north, or it, it, ice is now partially back in the north since Brienne is carrying it in the form of Oathkeeper. Any of those float your boat? I didn't know it was named Ice, for one. Um... I think it's funny that Tywin was saying, oh, it's an impractically absurdly huge weapon that no one could... We-. 
What if it's like you need a big badass sword like that to defeat giant ice beings? Yeah, maybe. Mm. Or Tywin's just not man enough for that yeah. sword. Yep. Ned Stark was. The limp Lan- the famously limp Lannister wrist. <laughs> yep. Uh Erin S says, How many times now has Cersei said something to effect of I will burn their cities to the ground? A lot. In regards to any threats regarding her children. She's getting a little bit where are my dragons territory with it, honestly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wearing us out. Walt! My theory is that <laughs> my theory is that Cersei's going to confess in, uh, going to confess to wait Jesus Christ. My theory is that Cersei is going to confess in order to extradite herself from her prison cell, and then she's going to burn King's Landing down with wildfire. Aside from her comments right. about burning cities, the title of the episode also reminds us that she is willing to kill her children. Remember the battle of Blackwater Bay when she was close to po- uh, poisoning Tommen when she was thought all the all was lost. Mm-hmm. Rather than see them suffer, which Tommen might if he is outed as a bastard and not the true heir to the thorn, I began formulating this theory shortly after this week's or before this week's episode. When Kyburn looked at Cersei in that prison cell and said the work continues, it confirmed my theory even more. We're led to believe he's referring to the mountain, but I think he's actually making wildfire with her mm. before her. Yeah, I mean they need to make a lot of wildfire because they used it all, didn't they? In Blackwater. Yeah, but- didn't the pyromancer talk a mess about, for some reason, their rituals of making wildfire is greatly increased oh, in season I, two? I don't remember that. And that's like kind of goes in line with all the like, just, you know, because it's a kind of borderline mystical process of creating wildfire. So maybe he is working on could be an improved method. Yeah. I mean, the mountain with handfuls of wildfire would be pretty maybe awesome. Maybe the mountain with wildfire coursing through his veins. There you go. He's like Bane style from Batman. He's got a big <laughs> vat of, awesome. of, of glowing green shit pumping mm-hmm. into his veins. That sounds kind of stupid, but <laughs> maybe for the comic book version. Yep. Mike from Texas says, this is thought came to me during this episode, and I don't know if it's been mentioned before. Has anybody proposed a theory that the fight for the Iron Throne is like our world fighting over politics, the economy, and religion, but the real threat is winter and the White Walkers, which is inevitable to... Dist- which is analogous to an inevitable destruction of global warming that will come for us if we don't do something about it. Hmm. I, I would say that that analogy works entirely based on how your political leanings are. If you think that cli- yeah, gla- uh, right. climate change is a problem, uh, you are probably like, yeah, right on, I can see that. If you don't, you're probably composing an angry Ugh. email saying, keep your politics out of my podcast. Can I, can I just shit on you for a second for making this for political me? issue? For me? Global warming a political me? issue, yeah. Okay, yeah. shit on me. I mean, it is. I, I don't. It is a political issue, but it is it is turned into a political issue. It is a scientific issue. It is a definite problem for our species, but it is made a political issue by people who don't want to acknowledge its existence. Yeah, gay rights is a human rights issue, but it's also a political one. Sure, I I agree. It is also political, but to say that it is just political would be, however, rec- a I mistake. Mean, uh, Opinion, I mean, polls show that it's very starkly drawn down uh, political lines. A lot of stuff is like that. Sure, but not like among for example, scientists. Well, among uh, scientists, it is almost 100% consensus. Sure. It's you could say the same thing get. about genetically modified crops, except for the opposite political thing or yeah, yeah. anti vaccine. Sure. So it's like, I, I like saying a political issue because that keeps me from like condemning everyone. 
Because okay. honestly, as a radical moderate, I think you all are fucking idiots. I, I'm willing to condemn I think everyone. you're all fucking idiots and should shut up and listen to the men in the white lab coats when they talk. And, and, but they and don't not, talk very loudly. They don't assert themselves well. No, that's the problem. They're, they're polite and they're yeah. in their labs and, and yeah. they're messing with the test tubes. That's, that's my thoughts as a, as a moderate, but <laughs> who knows? Get your head out of the books. Get it in the game. Inver M says, I find the way that Miguel Sapochnik framed the scene between Ollie and Sam was quite telling. In the profile shots, Ollie's window is wide open, beaming with light, and Sam's is almost shut. I I cut this part out because it's framing, but he said essentially that you ruined... uh, You ruined the suspense of of the Wilding Woman being killed because, you you know, you you have this rule of if someone says, I'm going to make it back, they're going to die. Yeah. So it's like pseudo spoiled because they 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 held to that filming convention. So now he's taking that thought and applying it to this filming convention. Just want to lay that framework there. Okay. And then says some horrible things about John coming back, but Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's also true. We talked about that. Anyway, Ollie's windows wide open, beaming with light, and Sam's is almost shut. On the one hand, Ollie's hmm. got his whole life ahead of him and the tons of opportunities to rise up in the ranks, perhaps become Lord Commander one day. On the other hand, Sam's day at the wall are numbered. In the parting shots, Ollie was framed in a long shot and seems to be surrounded by darkness, whereas Sam, they use a medium shot, and behind him there's candlelight. There's light at the end of the tunnel for Sam, albeit dim. I'm not sure what they have in store for Ollie, but it looks like he is destined for the dark side. Their present situation versus future outlook are complete opposites, I believe, is what they're trying to portray here. Do you buy this visual analysis? Yeah, yeah, you might be right. I don't know that all of the discussion with Ollie has been enough to convince him. Hmm. John, Sam, I don't know that they're going to be able to convince him when his whole village was slaughtered by these people. All right, moving on. Joseph K., what are your thoughts on how quickly it seems that Danny has begun to trust Tyrion? After all, she has his word for the deeds he claims to have committed. If she believes the Lannisters to be as cunning and evil as she has indicated, how can she be swayed into seemingly trusting this man's counsel after a mere hour's? Or at tr- or to trust him at all, actually. The viewers, of course, know the real truth, but it seems to me that it does not play out in a convincing fashion in the show. I still love them getting together, even if I feel it is weak. I did not have this problem, but I can't articulate why. She makes the point. She makes that exact point. She says, uh, you want to be my counsel because you killed your family? Yeah. Uh, what What closer person, what closer people could there be than your family? Uh, I'm going to take you under my wing. What are you going to do to me? That's a dangerous thing. She makes that point in the episode. I, but she's also. It's, I, it's, I agree she, with that. That's a dangerous thing. And she was alone with him. I mean, I'm sure there's guards right outside. There might, might even been in the room with her, but she's drinking wine. She was. That, yeah. that Tyrion is pouring. Mm-hmm. Like now that I think about it, it is odd. But I guess they lulled me to sleep because I had this mind that she kind of put. You know that somehow this this question of what to do was with Jorah was kind of an addition, and she yeah went with her gut, what her gut told her based on that. And yeah, that You're is right. problematic now that I'm thinking about it. But I, you know, that's a problem with television shows. Like, you know, there's some things that don't work on first contact. There's some things that don't work because of a person's personal, like, level of engagement with the show. And there's some things mm-hmm. that don't work because it's horse shit. <laughs> sure. And that's like the thing about being a critic is you try to figure out what are my own personal biases? What are my own personal weaknesses and what are kind of universal truths so we know that danny has made bad decisions in the past plenty of them uh we as an audience know that Tyrion is trustworthy and then all he says is true 
Yes. And he's um, a good person. Generally speaking. Generally speaking. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like as an audience member, you're able to gloss over the idea that this is really for a leader who does not, sh- who should not, has no reason to yeah. trust this person is a terrible decision. Yeah. But we know she's made terrible decisions and we know that he's telling the truth. So we're okay with it, I think. Yeah. I will say that I think the more I think about it, Yes, having three slow episodes built up tension, but in retrospect, it seems like maybe they could have gotten to some of this stuff a little bit earlier mm-hmm. or accelerated it some in the beginning so that we had a a full episode of her maybe trying to figure out whether she can trust him or not, or maybe even lampshade it by saying, I just received a raven from a contact. But she doesn't have any contacts in Westeros that we know. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think of Who, how Barris? she would research. Like, she'd trust him. Like if Barristan was still alive. Yeah, yeah. That would have helped out a lot. And now that she's turned Jorah out to exile, I'm trying to figure out why they killed Barristan. I don't know. Because he would have been perfect for that role to like, you know, they could have shown her bouncing ideas. Like, do you think we should trust him? Yeah. Well, the imp's got this reputation. But on the other hand, I've heard that. And like she we could at least be party to that. Yeah. I wonder if you could resequence events with. Grey Worm and Barristan and the Sons of the Harpy and Hisdar and try and get there before yeah. they kill Barristan, yeah. before the Sons of the Harpy come to a head. It feels like... I don't know. I, a, I don't want to try and rewrite nah, this thing I for them, but... But it does feel like there is a little bit of tightening of the timeline they could have done, and maybe it's because they are fly, you know, they were introducing so much new material, but yeah. I've never felt that in another season, like... You know, you look back at everything and like, oh, you know, they could have maybe moved this around or that around or whatever. But yeah, I feel like that with a few examples, contrary, nothing is a bad or terrible idea. It's just a lot of it felt rushed and not well considered. Yeah. Like I have Mm. to make a lot more excuses and a lot more headcanon for why things are happening than I've ever had before. All right. I know going into this season, you were predicting it was going to be the worst. I did. And so I, I think maybe it's coming to fruition. I, I think we had some rough riding. Yeah. But I'm also super excited about the next two episodes. Yeah, me too. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, that's last feedback. Uh, okay. This has been a super long podcast, but we had a lot of, uh, a lot of, you know, like I said, you get, you get a, you get an episode to start spoiling the books and, and I, I, I want to talk about it a lot. Yeah. We oh. essentially had double the speculation to do. We did. Normally, it's just me. This time, it's yeah, you, too. Yeah, twice the speculation. We'll have to figure out what to do with that. Yep. Um, anyway, if you'd like to send us more feedback, you can do so at Game of Thrones at baldmove.com, and you can follow along on our discussions on the forums at forums.baldmove.com. You can also pay attention to our release schedule on Twitter and on Facebook, and, of course, baldmove.com. It always works. Check it out. Uh, you got all of our latest week or two's worth of releases on the front page. And yeah. And what's coming up? What's coming up? We've got a coming soon, especially yep. if you're a premium member and you want to see when we're recording these things, when we're doing battle with the lawnmower man and the sweeper lady. <laughs> you don't even know about. That's, that's right. That's a you're, whole universe you're not, you're not even aware of. <laughs> if you're not a premium member, you are missing out on some serious stalling uh, for time while, yes. while lawnmowers are outside the background. Serious downtime. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We're uh, going to be back. I'll be back Sunday night after the episode. You'll Am be I? back on Friday. Oh, okay. I was like, Jesus, have I been section. fired? No, no, no. But you'll be back with a whole lot of spoiler stuff. Yep. We'll see. Um, <laughs> until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. Bye-bye.